the garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your host, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Mid-South Gardening. My name is Kenneth Mabry. I'll be the host this morning, and our good friend and co-host of the show, Miss Veda Vance, she's a bit under the weather, and to my left right here, I got my... Sidekick, Mr. Jim Crowder. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Mr. Jim. I hate that that uh, Veda's not feeling well. I do, too, uh, but at least it'll give you and me a chance to talk this week. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to give us a call this morning, it's really easy, 901-260-5926, 901-260-5926. You can always shoot us a text on the Monday 990 Facebook page, Mid-South Gardening, and if you happen to miss all of this wonderful information, you can go back at your convenience. Listen to the podcast, uh, Mid-South Gardening, KWAMRadio.com, streaming live all the time, Mr. Jim. Absolutely. And Absolutely. I, and if you, during the week, if you got a question, which about Tuesday you probably will, uh, <laughs> uh, get, just go, go to our Facebook group, Mid-South Gardening, and uh, we'll get you an answer real quick. And I bet you've had a lot of that going on Been in the last lot. two or three days about the event coming up. Uh, but before we get to that, we might have a... Uh, a guest coming in, Jim, about 7 o'clock this morning, Mr. Jan Childers. Cool. Uh, talking about the upcoming events for the Memphis Area Master Gardeners. Would that be Jamie Childers? Uh, Jamie and Jan, his oh, wife. Oh, uh, Jan's coming yeah. too. Okay. So uh, expect to talk to them about 7 o'clock this morning in the studio. Cool. Of course, the big, big story here in the Mid-South uh, is the cold weather that's mm-hmm. coming in. And, Jim, when I say cold. <laughs> it's uh, going to be cold. Cold, cold. And you know, for the last two or three days at work at Dan West, just like you on your Facebook page, Mid South Gardening, uh, the question is, you know, what's what's going on? Because it's fresh in everybody's mind. Yeah. What happened last year? Yep. Yeah. I had a had a, uh, one of our members post, or oh, actually contact me through Messenger last night um, with their they had their <clears throat> landscape plan and took a picture of it and said, you know, uh, we lost everything. Um, and then the we replanted, mm-hmm. you know, and said, I, I can't afford to do that again. Is this going to happen again? So, um, and, and like, I, I think I've got good news for most everybody. Well, I hope so. Good Lord. Because I don't care how you slice it, zero degrees is still zero degrees. Yeah. Um, so there's <laughs> there's going to be some damage out there. Yeah. Sure. The, the, the upside is it's going to come up during the day. Uh, the You know, and it looks very much like we're going to have an insulating blank of snow which is going to really help us the coldest nights. So this is Saturday. The low tonight is in the... Let's see. Let me uh, pull it back up here. Well, and and what I was getting at also, Jim, is there again, we all remember what happened last year with the flash freeze. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, that that cold weather came in so fast, and I really don't think the plants had a, a chance or had time previously to acclimate to cold weather no they hadn't everything was still juicy we had had a warm fall right. and so th- this year that's mm. different um yeah looking at uh, th- low of 13 tonight's what they're saying okay well that's cold too that is cold yeah but you know the, everything's well hydrated right now the ground temperature is actually still pretty warm so it's going to be a you know a day or two of really cold temperatures before it gets cold temperatures get really get, cold right get into the ground um, looking at a high tomorrow, 24, a low of 16, and then on Monday, Martin Luther King Day, looking at a high of 22, a low of 9, and then Tuesday night, a low of 4. Mm. Uh, but it looks like, you know, Monday night and Tuesday night, we should have some snow on the ground. And it depends on how much you, who, which, which 
weathermen, including myself, <laughs> do you believe? And you know, don't listen to me because I, this one I sure missed. Um, now there were. Go ahead. The, there, I was watching one of the weathermen last night, and they had the three computer models that they particularly use, and two of them were in conjunction at seven plus inches of snow. Lordy, one was at four inches. So that you I'll know, take the, I'll even take the four. I, right. And um, the reason we're saying snow is a good thing. That's a good thing because it's going to cover the buds. It's going to prevent wind from drying those buds out. And you know, I don't think many things are going to be damaged at all. I think. We'll see things like butterfly bushes and lorepedalums that have that get burned almost every year. Yeah, you know, nothing new there. Right, they're gonna they're gonna get some zap on them. Um, you know, the banana trees that are still up and good and thick and juicy are gonna go to the ground. So fact, I wrote banana tree down in my notes. Yeah. Um, so, but I don't think you're going to see even on the iffy plants like uh, Indian hawthorn. I don't mm-hmm. think we're going to see the damage on those uh, that we've seen the last two times this has happened because they're well into dormancy now. And that's the reason is because they have had time to acclimate to colder temperatures. Right. Unlike, you know, that flash freeze we had a year ago. Mm-hmm. And, and even the one three, was it three years ago, four years ago. Yeah. Now, um, when we start getting the cooler weathers, the sugar, water and sugar is pulled out of the foliage, out of the stems, and down into the root systems, and that's where it needs to be. And that allows that tissue, like camellia leaves and holly leaves, that froze off last year, they're not going to do that this year. Now, the only thing you need to worry about would be, you know, if you've got camellia buds and a lot of them are starting to swell or even show color, sure. uh, some of those may get zapped. So if you want to drop a sheet over those... It will help prevent that from wind damage. It's still going to be just as cold underneath it. So that may help protect some of those buds. But also you want to be careful is if you've got all this foliage on your plant and you throw a sheet over it and you get eight inches of snow on top Mm -hmm. of it that's freezing to it, uh, it could damage the plant. So you want to be prepared to take it off if we start getting accumulating snow. Well, about the only thing that we were selling in the garden center yesterday was frost cloth. Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> which is kind of like a sheet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people were, uh, I mean, because there again, they're they're just so afraid. Right. Really gun shy off this. Exactly. Of, of what happened, you know, a year ago. And thank goodness, Jim, what you just said is, you know, it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. Now, are there going to be some damaged tissue out there, like you said, on, on buds that are swelling? and Possibly. Uh, probably, you mm-hmm. know, because there again, if you get down below zero, you know, we're not used to that. Our plants aren't used to that. Yeah, and I think that's, I'm not sure that's really correct. You know, I, outline areas, maybe, but mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's going to get quite that cold. All right, as far as, but, plant, you know. Yeah, all right, and I know we only got a couple more minutes in the, in the section, Jim, but. As, as far as plant protection goes, um, you know, you, you definitely want moist soil. You mentioned, you know, the rains have come through. Which That's is, been great. And, and why But why is moist soil? It seems like moist soil would be colder than dry soil. Well, yes, but you, doesn't, you don't have to go down very far mm-hmm. before you're going to reach temperatures where the soil temperature is above 45. Mm-hmm. And if that's true, plants can still get to that water, okay? Yeah. But, you know, if you look at places like, Minnesota, and you know, there where that ground freezes solid. Yeah, you know, they get hydrangeas to come through just fine without any bud damage. Okay, it's because that ground has frozen; it stayed frozen. The plants are well hydrated. So, so it's two things here. 
One is you want your plants hydrated going into extremely cold weather, mm-hmm. okay, because they dry out so fast from the wind and they, can't have, they don't have the ability to take up water when the soil temperatures are too cold. Mm-hmm. Secondly, moist soil is a better insulator than dry soil. That's right. And even, let's say, containers out there. Had a lot of people coming into the garden center said, you know, okay, I understand about my shrubs and everything in the ground, but, and in fact, this one lady had troughs, Jim, lined up, and she had boxwoods in there. And these troughs, uh, are, of course, are above ground. Mm-hmm. And you and I both know that anything above ground is more subject to the cold, extreme temperatures than they are planted in the ground. Mm-hmm. So she was going to wrap all of these pots individually uh, with frost cloth and blankets, okay, just to insulate the root system because the root system can't take as much cold as the top part of the shrub. That's true. So, I mean, that was a good thing. So she's going to insulate those roots. So we got to be careful and be aware of anything that's in containers. One is to make sure that soil is moist, which it should be, like you said, with the good rain that came through. And secondly, either move that container, if it's small enough, into a protected area or insulate that thing. Yeah, but, you know, we're looking at probably 96 hours or so where the temperature is going to be below freezing. How much good is that insulation going to do? Mm. That blanket, the air inside, bubble wrap, whatever, is going to get just as cold as mm. it is outside. So, again, it's protecting the container against wind lo- against water loss from wind, mm. and that's what's going to be good. But it's still going to be just as cold On in the inside that soil, of right? that insulation. But, you know, you and I have been in this business a long time. Yeah. Where are the best big dogwoods grown? Yeah. In the mountains of North Carolina. Yeah. Okay. Think about that. Where that ground freezes solid and stays that way. And you know, and they do just fine because they have a, they they have evolved to take that. Okay. What killed our boxwoods last time was not the cold. The cold damaged them, got micro splits in the wood because of the they were still juicy and full of water. Right. But then that was an opening for volutella blight to come in, which is everywhere. Yeah, and we'll talk about that when we get back on. We'll also. be back in just a second. You are listening to Mid-South Garden right here on KWAM. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Mid-South Gardening. If you want to give us a call this morning, 901-260-5926, 901-260-5926. That's an easy way to get in touch with us. Or you can shoot us a text on the Mighty 990 Facebook page, Mid-South Gardening, like Chris Hatchett did. He said, and good morning to you, Chris. Appreciate the text. He said, I'm building a tarp tent over and around my boxwoods. Also thinking about using a low-watt heat bulb uh, inside the tent that he's building, smart or stupid. Well, I think that's a very smart idea. Yeah, any heat you, you can add is good, okay, because that's going to help warm in a container not only the soil but the top of the plant, you know. So that's a good plan, you know. Uh, if you've got a really big container, you know, that is very difficult for you to move with, what, and Kevin and I were talking about this a little off air, you can get these, um, uh, they're, they're like rope heaters that are for uh, water lines that you mm-hmm. can put around to keep them from freezing. We used them out down west oh, on, I know what you're talking about. on sure. the, on the well uh, pipes, pipes to keep yep. those from freezing. Uh, and you can just wrap those around your pot and plug them in. You know, they don't come on until it's about 34 degrees. It's like a heating cable. Right. It's exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah. And, uh, and it will help. It will hold the heat in there. And that, and then when you insulate it, it, that does a good job at, at keeping your soil warm and at least making your plant root hardy. <clears throat> You know, um, but like I say, I, I don't think you're going to see any 
leaf damage on boxwood from this cold. Right. I mean, they're used to it. Uh, in, in fact, I, what about I newly planted boxwoods? Jim? Well, there, there's a, there's an iffy thing there because yeah. you know the wind again does it can suck moisture mm. what's left in, out of the leaves, and if they haven't been well watered, then you could get some desiccation on. But again, we're going into this well watered, yeah. okay? And I, I'm really not concerned about that on that particular plant. Right now, there are some plants like gardenias. You know, I'd cover those things. Marginal plants. Pray for them. <laughs> you know, just anything you can do to help. But in Chris's case, let's say he does build the uh, the tarp tent over his boxwoods, and he puts a little heat source in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there any downside to creating moisture in there? Is there any downside to, uh, do you leave that, that heat source on 24-7? You know, um, if, if you're using a sheet or a yeah. fabric, then, yeah, you could leave it on 24-7. Yeah, we're not talking about just a small heat source in there. Right. right. You know, even a 60-watt heater, uh, I mean, 60-watt lamp bulb, yeah. you know, a light bulb in one of the utility lights, yeah. um, that that would be fine. Uh, your miniature lights from Christmas are not going to get it. They're just not going to give off enough heat this time. <laughs> they might know. look good up under right. there. It would, you'd have to put so many on there, you wouldn't be able to see the plant. Um, so it's anything, anything that you can do to add additional heat will help protect it. But again, I really don't think other than things that just are not supposed to grow in zero degrees. Um, I don't think you're going to see any damage. We're good. And Chris said, thank you very much. And Chris, appreciate the text this morning. And if you want to text us, it's the Mighty 990 Facebook page, Mid-South Gardening. If you want to give us a call, 901-260-5926. And Jim, let me, let me say this and just get your opinion if you don't mind. Um, of course, we all there again know what happened a year ago, and we understand why that happened. But uh, boxwoods, for example, and there's so many boxwoods here in this city, and people, are, you know, they take pride in their boxwoods. Uh, there's some that are not, uh, you know, that expensive. There's some that are extremely expensive and everywhere in between. Uh, but let's say derunk, for example. You know, I don't know of any derunk boxwoods that made it through that flash freeze. I mean, it was just crazy. They mm-hmm. just were zapped. Uh, where a lot of the other boxwoods, even though we saw damage, uh, and like you said, the micro cracks and lesions where volutella blight set in there, mm-hmm. you know, during the growing season. Um, I guess if I had a boxwood that I knew in the past was just marginal with cold weather, I would try my best to do something to protect it. Uh, and let's say derunk, for example. Well, you know, derunk had it had. This type temperature hit this time of year. It still would have been fine. D-Runk would have come yeah. through it just fine. Yeah. You know, this was just, uh, the timing was just so off. Yeah. You know, we'd had so much warm weather in the fall. I mean, everything still had lush green foliage on it, you know. Juicy, full of water. I have never in the 50 years I've been in this business seen leaves knocked off hollies like they yeah. were last year. Same here. Right. And so this is, you know, we, we get cold temperatures lots of times, you know. They survived the minus 8 we had back in, what was it, 63 or something like that, yeah. just fine. So how do you explain that? It, it, they survived the minus the 8. timing, but, yeah. you know, yeah. And, and particularly the weather prior to the event. That's what helps set those things into dormancy. All right, then you mentioned that volutella blight. Uh, so boxwoods were weakened if not outright kill, but the ones that made it through the flash freeze a year ago. Uh, you said, Jim, they were in a weak state because they did have uh, the damage because of the timing of the mm-hmm. cold weather and the way it came in. 
But they also, the cold weather created these micro lesions uh, in the trunks and the stems. So here we go into the growing season, right? Everything looks fine other than, you know, the, you went out there and cut out the dead tissue. I get that. But everything looks fine. And then we started seeing a decline in a lot of these boxwoods. And it wasn't there again because of temperatures. It wasn't because it got hot in the summertime. It's because Volutella blight right, was already in there. Had a had a yeah. access to that boxwood. Yeah, and the, it's everywhere. Volutella blight is everywhere. The spores are there, and it uh, particularly likes to attack boxwood at the crown, where you get the the forking of the branches. Right, and so often we don't blow the foliage and leaves out of that. All that so debris that stays wet all the time, and that just gives it a place to attack. <clears throat> Now, last year, because it was still juicy, it froze. Mm. And so you had these little micro lesions, and they were open. And, and that's all that without blight Without volutella blight, it probably would have survived. You'd send some damage, probably, but it was just an opening for that disease to go in. And then it was, you know... Game over. It's or, over, yeah. Well, mm. and people were spraying, of course, with fungicides, and they were but it was watering too and too feeding. Late. Yeah. So that's yeah. why, but there again, that's one reason we saw all that damage um, last year. And it wasn't just the damage that occurred during the freeze. Right. It was through the whole growing season. People were scratching the head like, you know, I didn't see this three months ago. Here it is in August and I'm seeing it now. What's going on? Mm-hmm. And that's the reason behind it. Right. All right. You mentioned a banana tree a while ago. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because my, I, the, I did. 70 or 80 I've got. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a clump, Jim, in the corner of my backyard, uh, and it's a hardy banana, and it comes back every year, and of course, it spreads. You know, it, it keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger every year, which is, which is fine, because it's got room to grow. And uh, about six, seven weeks ago, I, I cut mine down to about knee high. I just went ahead and cut them back and just got all that foliage out of there. Do I need to go out there and cut it down any further? Do I need to, and it is mulched in, mm-hmm. okay, so I've got the 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 tubers mulched in is there anything else that i need to do or should do or can do it will be easier to cut off uh today (laughs) okay Okay, until it turns into until it turns to mush you know and then and it's going to do that Mm -hmm. okay they're going to all go back to the ground which means you have more next year well my theory was i didn't want to cut it down so close to the ground to where it was really exposed to to potentially cold winter weather it's gonna be fun yeah that's what, what one of the things that um, I thought this year, based on my weather prediction, that I thought it was going to be pretty mild. So I left. All I did was take the leaves off. You know, they're oh, still six feet tall. I remember you saying that. Yes, I got these huge, beautiful stalks. You know, and they've tried to re-sprout half a dozen times because we've had so much warm weather. But yes. you know, so come, you're going to be doing the same thing I'm doing today. Come Tuesday morning, you know, by then they should be yeah, well. It'll probably be Friday before they thaw out enough to fall over. <laughs> <laughs> but it's going to happen. <laughs> so on something like that, that we know that's going to turn to mush, and it is going to turn to mush. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I might as well go ahead, like you said, and do it while I still got some some rigidity there. While it's easy, right? go ahead and cut it back. Make sure it's well mulched in. But I don't need to put a tarp or a sheet or anything over. It ain't going to help. You know, this. It ain't going to help. All right. So You're going to have banana popsicles, you know, <laughs> until the end of the week. <laughs> well, but see, I'm ahead of you, Jim, because I did cut mine back. And I know, I remember when you said on yours, you weren't going to really cut them down knee high. You yeah. were going to just take all the foliage off, leave the thing standing up, 
And if we had have had just a very mild winter, you were already six feet ahead of me next spring. Absolutely. You know, and I've had that happen so many years, it's been fine. But for the last five or so, it's weather has not cooperated with me. Mm. You know? So. All right, guys, uh, I know we got to go to a break here in a second, but when we get back, uh, I want to ask Jim, or we'll, we'll talk about uh, tree protection, you know, and what does that mean and what does that entail? You know, for example, I know we've always talked about thin-skinned trees. And, th- and sun-scald, yeah. So, Jim, I want to kind of get into that because, there again, that's not really just the cold affecting maybe a young tree. It could be... The sun affecting. The morning after. Yeah. So, so we'll talk about that. Um, and what about, you know, another thing that we have a lot of, of course, of around here, it's almost as many boxwoods and azaleas or crepe myrtles. Uh, and, Jim, don't say anything yet, but I wonder if there's anything that we should or could uh, be doing to our, you know, our crepe myrtles, uh, for example. So, um, yeah. yeah. Stay with us. And we're going to, you'll have some of this stuff, you know, each hour because we, we obviously get, you know, uh, audience that doesn't wake up until eight o'clock hour yeah uh so you know bear with us but we're gonna we're gonna try to beat it into your heads that <laughs> you know what you can and can't do <laughs> well and, and like i said that is the big story and yeah. like you said jim if we repeat ourselves two or three times through the course of the show then you know we're doing it just for y'all and also around seven o'clock we are expecting uh mr jamie childers to come up here and talk about the events of the memphis area master gardeners all right guys appreciate you taking in if you'll give us a call 260 260- Five nine two six. Hey, welcome back, everybody. My name is Kenneth Mabry. I work at Dan West Garden Centers, and I got beside me Mr. Jim Crowder, who is the administrator of our Facebook group, Mid South Gardening, Gardening in USDA Zone Six, Seven, and Eight. And it's a great. I'm telling you, if you hadn't looked at this thing, you need I, to look at it. I was. I, I'm so pleased that I, I just put out a message this week that I really appreciated everyone's participation in the group, and I got. Lots and lots and lots of people commenting how much they enjoy it and mm. what a good job I do. And so when my head shrunk or I could get through the door, you know, <laughs> I, it was just, it was great. Well, Jim, I, I appreciate everybody's participation it, in the group. I really it, do. It is. And, and of course, you know, people are starving for information and that's what this is all about. Yeah. And there's just so much of it out there that isn't worth a toot. That's the toot. That is the truth. Uh, so that's Mid-South Gardening Zone 678. Um, and you can become a member. How, how? All you have to do is go to the, just, you know, go, uh, search for it on, on Facebook, right. search Mid-South Gardening, it'll bring it up. And then there are some questions that you have to answer. And it's mostly about, you won't advertise, you won't be a bully, you won't preach. Right. Um, and that sort of thing. None of that uh, stuff. Yeah. yeah. Nothing offensive, you know, and I am the sole determination of whether or not I feel it's offensive. You know, there's some things we just don't want to do on the group, like. I don't. I don't even allow you know Dan West or or mm-hmm. um, Palladio to advertise their business. Mm-hmm. They don't allow anybody yeah. to advertise. You know, and I, you know, it, it's okay to ask one of the members. You know, where did you get this? And right. they can answer. But you know, we get people who I know work at nurseries, yeah. and you know, when somebody asks a question, say, um, "I think so and so has it." You know, and all they're doing is advertising for so themselves. So you try to keep it as clean as you possibly I can. I really do. You know, and I get criticized for that sometimes. You know, but hey, it's okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. If, if there were pe- if everybody liked me, I wouldn't know what to do. <laughs> Ah, amen yeah. to that. I, you know, I have that shirt that says, I tried just to. 
aggravate one person today, and right now I'm about four years ahead. <laughs> yeah, you were thrilled. But also, not only is it a great Facebook page uh, where you can get some great information, uh, I don't care if you never even text in, just read read the questions, look at the pictures, uh, look, and of course, read the answers. Right, and, um, and, and everything's there that we've had over the last five years now since we started. Yeah. Uh, so all you have to do is just ask, you know, something about uh, whatever you want to know, metacloprid. It'll bring up a whole list of things. Go to the search and just type it in. Right. And also, you have a file section, Jim. Right. Uh, we have a list of files, which I think is is like the gardener's encyclopedia, really. Um, so that's a good thing also. It so is. A lot of good information there on, on plants for moist areas, deer-resistant plants, poisonous plants, uh, lots of things on fruits, on you know what you need for pollinators or when you don't. Um, so v- lots and lots of good information there. Uh, well, thank you, Jim. And also, if you want to give us a call this morning, because this is Mid-South Gardening, 901-260-5926, or you can shoot us a text on the uh, the Facebook page, Mid-South Gardening. Um, we were talking, Jim, before we went to the break about, you know, we typically, when we're trying to protect plants during severe weather, which we're, we got coming in as far as cold weather, uh, typically we're out there making sure everything is moist, where Mother Nature's done that forest, and we're wrapping and we're uh, you know, covering, uh, and then like Chris said, you know, in the text this morning that he sent to us, you know, he's even going to put a, a healing, a heating source out there up under the tarp, uh, around his boxwoods to, hold, you know, to raise, mm-hmm. uh, raise that temperature a little bit. But then I got to thinking about trees and normally we don't think about protecting our trees. Now I'm not talking about a hundred year old oak tree. I'm talking about fairly small, maybe even newly planted this year. Thin-skinned trees, mm-hmm. whether it's a dogwood, whether it's a uh, you know a cherry tree, a Japanese maple. Uh, what's your thinking on that, Jim? Because you and I both know when that sun comes up, it's zero degrees outside. That's ambient temp- temperature, zero. Mm-hmm. Sun comes up, and the sun hits the side of the trunk of the tree, and what goes on? What happens is you get uh, a huge temperature rise. In fact, they've done tests to and found that there can be as much as 77 degrees difference between the sunny side and the shady side. That is crazy. So, you know, you got zero <clears throat> degrees frozen tissue on the back, and you got 77 degrees on the other side. So what happens is that expands, mm-hmm. okay? And when it does, you get, because it can expand on the right where those two tissues meet, the frozen and the unfrozen, you get little splits there, okay? Mm. Tree's going to come out and just look fine in the spring, okay? Because it's got carbohydrates stored in the stems. It's got enough there to kick off the buds and make so them So it's going to just come right on out like it always Everything's does. Everything's happy as it can be. And yep. then suddenly about June, when we start getting really stressed and it needs to move water, it can't because that conductive tissue's been damaged. And so then, because it's not all the way around the plant, you get a limb dying out on one side. No, you know? And then each year it gets worse, and that's all because of that sunscald. So wrapping that is a really good idea. Now, in this particular case, I, I don't think we would see much damage because, like we said earlier, everything is still very dormant. Okay. okay? And it's going to be cloudy through most of this mm-hmm. here, so we won't get that sun on it. But... If it were mine, I would wrap it, you know, um, in, 
And this can, would be a thin skin, like right. a cherry tree, or a maybe a Japanese right. maple. Or you can use uh, there's tree wrap that you can buy that has asphalt in it. Uh, you burlap. Can, Burlap, you use Christmas ribbon that's, you know, three or four inches wide and just wrap the thing up, you know, <laughs> till you get to chest higher. So if you can, and then that will help keep that sun off of it and prevent it from heating up. Let me ask you a question then, Jim. If, let's say if I had a cherry tree and I know how thin skinned they are on the trunk of the tree. And let's say it had like a four inch diameter. Okay. Mm-hmm. So not a massive tree, but not a very small sapling either. Uh, is, is, it the, is it the age of the tree, the size of the tree, or does that really matter? It's just the type of the tree that's more susceptible. It's mostly whether or not it has produced cork yet that serves right. as an insulator. So in, like, dogwoods, that's about year seven, okay, mm-hmm. before it really begins to cork up and you don't have to worry about sunscald. Yeah. So on some trees, like crepe myrtles, mm-hmm. they never form that barky stuff. Mm-hmm. So you can get damage, you know. They shed off most of the new ones. Shed off that bark, That's you know, right. like overnight. You see a pile of stuff like it's been hit by lightning. <laughs> but but you're saying, but this go around, it's not as critical, not as critical, and but we potentially won't see some of the damage that we've seen in the past because of the sun scald, right? Because these plants there again have had a chance for the moisture to go down to the roots, mm-hmm. uh, so you don't have that that, that moisture. Or say, or as much moisture, I should say, Jim, that's going to heat up, or or expand and contract because of the sun or not sun. That's right. The best Japanese maples in the country are grown in Oregon. But think about that. Yeah, where it gets very cold on them during the winter time, uh, and the sun comes up and hits them too. You know, about three days a year, it's there's some sun out there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, and crepe myrtles. You know, you you mentioned that um, the last two years. Now it's going to be unfeasible to think we can go out there and wrap all of our crate myrtles. Right. We just can't. Some of them are so massive, you know, you just can't do it. Uh, in the last couple of years, I've gone out there and I've actually cut out dead tissue uh, or damaged tissue. Uh, I even had to get on a ladder last year and get up there and do it. And, and you know, I could even tell when everything flushed out in the spring, uh, Jim, I could see some of these twisty little limbs and curled inward limbs like we've seen before. And, of course, that's all just, you know, winter damage. Mm-hmm. But I did go out there and just selectively just cut that stuff out of there. But there's no way in this world that I can go out there and really route my crepe myrtles. I just can't do it. No. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and like I said, in this year in particular, because it's not the same monster that we had a year ago, uh, I might not even see any of that this, right. this coming spring. And with the exception of just one day, maybe, we should get above 20, okay, mm-hmm. most of those days. And so there will be some heat absorbed by those plants. So I think I think we're it will surprise me. Good. Uh, and luckily, I'm on the radio, so nobody can throw anything at me. <laughs> yeah, it would um, surprise you if you saw significant more. damage yeah. this year. Okay. Yeah, it really would. That's really good news. And when, Jim, when we get back from the break, we did have another uh, texter, Miss Kim Vaughn, texted in. She said, "How do I protect my figs?" And that's a great question because that one. Well, we'll get we'll talk we'll to do Kim. That one. I have a little Miss Figgy in a pot, so mm. we're going to talk about that one. All right, Kim, appreciate the text. And if you want us to shoot us a text on the Mighty 990 Facebook page, Mid South Gardening, uh, feel free to do so. Or if you want to give us a call, it's easy 901 260 5926.
Hey, welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. If you want to give us a call, 901-260-5926, or you can shoot us a text on the Mighty 990 Facebook page, Mid-South Gardening, like Miss Kim Jackson Vaughn did. And the question was, this is, uh, let's see, she said, how do I protect my figs? And then she said, this is an old stand of figs at least 40 years. Uh, last frost caused to have a, last frost caused us to have new shoots. Mm-hmm. Um, great question, Kim, and I appreciate the, the text. Jim, fig trees, we know, uh, there again, last year, most, every fig that I know of was frozen to the ground. Right. They were all still juicy, so they, they got totally killed back, and a lot of them didn't even come back right. from the roots. So this year... Anything that's above ground, is it fair game for cold weather? It's possible, yeah. You know, um, some of them are hardier than the others. Um, they're they're going to stand a much better chance this year than they did last year, obviously. That's number one. Yes. Um, you know, and the really downside is if you're if you're planting something like, um, well, one of the varieties that produces every after, on second year wood, you may not get a crop, you know, for until next year. But people can, you know, they're almost okay with that as mm-hmm. long as their fig is still alive. It's not dead right. after this episode. But, you know, things like Little Miss Figgy, uh, Brown Turkey, they produce on first-year wood. So even if it gets killed to the ground, you should have a crop at the end of the season. All right, two things. Uh, people do grow figs in containers, and people also grow figs in the ground. Okay, mm-hmm. Let's say if I've got a fig in the ground, like Miss Kim, uh is there anything that, that I do to it, Jim? Do I wrap it? Do I just make sure it's well mulched in, you know, to protect that root system? Well, you could, if it's a single trunk one, you possibly could, but most of them are multi-trunked, True. and it's very difficult to do yeah, that. Can't do it, yeah. Yeah, so you know, I, I probably wouldn't. Now, I have a little Miss Figgy in a container. Uh, it's going to go either in the shed or in the garage, you know. It's still going to freeze, um, but I think it's got a less likely chance of being damaged in one of those than it does outside yeah so if i've got fig ara fig or figs growing outside um there again knowing that this is not the same event that we had you know a year ago or so because everything has been more hardened off it's more acclimated to cold weather uh but there are plants marginal plants like gardenias like you were talking about a while ago jim and to me even figs Mm -hmm. that can be damaged and they can even be killed to the ground but typically, they come back from the root, unlike last year, where some of them didn't do that. Mm-hmm. But other than making sure the, more, uh, the soil is moist and making sure I've got a good layer of mulch down over that root system, there ain't a whole lot more I can do. It's not. You know? It's really not. Now, if it's small, I can cover it and wrap it. I get that. But if it's a fairly, you know, five, six-foot size tree, multi-branched, mm-hmm. you know, I just hope for the best. Yeah. And one of the things, too, that we had someone this week post a picture of what appears to be hosta coming up leaves unfolding not just the ball the the little pip up but leaves unfolding it kind of looks like it's in a container that's in the ground um that's not good because you don't want new growth of course this time of year but it's not going to kill it it'll knock that foliage off but if it gets covered in snow probably won't even do that hardly so i think um yeah, what we hope is that we haven't had enough warm temperature to start some of these plants coming out of dormancy. I don't think that's happened, uh, but there is that possibility. Yeah, I agree with you. And I was talking to a customer uh, the other day, and just like so many people, Jim, they had a lot of their landscaped, uh, landscape, you know, 
die back last year, and they surely had damage, and a lot of them were just replaced, okay? And he was asking me is, and, and, and some of these people just planted this fall. You know, a lot of people planted in the spring, mm-hmm. okay? Couldn't wait to get out there and put new shrubs out there, which you can't blame them. But a lot of people didn't do it until this fall. Is there, in your opinion, Jim, because I really don't know the answer to this, is there any difference, per se, in a shrub that was planted this fall, okay, or one that was planted, you know, four years ago, or back, even back in the spring, is there any difference in the winter hardiness of those shrubs? Yes, because most everything that you buy now is container grown. It's grown in a barky base mix. It's very, very coarse. Our clay, obviously, is not very coarse, okay? So when you get roots out into that clay, it can pretty much take care of itself. But mm-hmm. when you, if the roots have not gotten out of that root ball, then what happens is air can penetrate all the way to the bottom of that mm-hmm. hole, and that whole thing can freeze solid. And because now you have the insulation of the soil, that could take a good while to free to right. to recover. Right. So it's possible so, that some new plants could. But there again, like you were talking about a minute ago, best thing you can do is mulch it down and, heavily. And that helps keep that cold from penetrating down That's exactly deep right. enough to where it's going to really affect that root system. Right. Now, and I guess the other thing is, of course, when this gentleman that I was talking to, and it was some boxwoods, Jim, that he had just planted, um, you, he didn't know where these boxwoods had come from, you know, where they had been grown. Whether they came from, in fact, one guy told me he bought some stuff that had come from Tampa. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, well, those plants are not acclimated to cold weather. They may not be. You know, so and not only is it the variety of the shrub that you're planting, in some cases it can be, where was this thing grown? Where mm-hmm. did it come from? Where it did went, they ship it in from? Yeah, in the fall, where did that plant originate from? Because... If it hasn't had any cold weather on it, I mean, if you bought it and it looked nice and lush and green, that one's a little suspect. Yeah. So when we're talking about, you know, things that can and could happen with this event that's coming up, we're talking about plants that are fairly local, Mm -hmm. have been grown, you know, in the Mid-South. Or have been, came up from the Gulf in the spring. Where they've had time to to acclimate. Because... Like I said, if if I've got some boxwoods that I just brought in, just planted this fall, and they honestly came from Tampa, then that shrub has a better chance of having damage or not making it than one that was grown at McMinnville. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know, there's always exceptions to 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 every rule. Is my point right? Um, but there again, kind of hashing over everything that we talked about in the first hour is you know the. People were just shaking in their boots that the same thing was going to happen with this event that's coming up that that happened a year ago. And you can't blame them for thinking that way. No, absolutely not. You know, like I said, we I had a lady contact me uh, last night. I was real concerned because had, they had planted, I think, uh, in the spring of 22 or maybe a year before that. They lost so much stuff last year, you know, because of the situation. And then. And, and think about that, Jim. Not only are you losing. You know, your your beautiful landscape, you know, that you go out there and you really take care of, that's bad enough. But then you got to spend the money to, to go replace, replace it. it and start over. And that was her big concern, you know. In fact, she sent a picture of all the plant, the the drawing of that someone had done, showed where the plants were placed and what they were, you know, yuletide camellias, 
Arbovides, Hosta. I mean, it was a, it was a very nice plant. Um, you know, and basically when I looked at it, I said, you know, they planted it in the spring. I said, I'm really not concerned about much of anything here. Mm-hmm. I think everything's hardened off, mm-hmm. you know, um, you, this possibility, you might get a little wind damage, you know, and, mm-hmm. and things like she had some, I think some butterfly bushes and, you know, even on the best years, that's you, right. you lose some of those on the dwarf ones. That's right. And you mentioned Arbovita, Jim. I was talking to a customer yesterday and he has a line of Arbovitas. I mean, you know, kind of like we saw Cryptomeria last mm-hmm. year, you know, like 20 in a row, and all of them were dead because of the flash freeze. Um, but Arbovitas are not the same as Cryptomeria. No, they're you know? not. But, you know, I, there's a, a line of Arbovitas not far from my house, that, and they're 25, 30 feet tall. I have never seen them look worse. Really? This drought this summer really put a stress on them, and the south side of the plants are brown the north side are green but that's just from a lack of moisture that's from water stress right and going in and those type plants you could possibly see some because they're going in here weakened already yep now arbovitas and i know we've only got like a minute is i was talking to a gentleman yesterday that wanted to to wrap them and i said that's fine you know because to me, arbovitas, if you get a lot of ice and snow, you know how they can bend and right. you know lean, and you can get it. You can actually get damaged that way. Uh, I wouldn't wrap arbovitas. I don't guess, Jim, just to protect them from cold. It might hold yeah. some moisture in, and it might keep the wind off of it, which mm-hmm. is not a bad thing at all because that's when they do dry out in the winter time. But arbovitas, you know, because there again, he was thinking of what he saw on Cryptomeria last year. And he said, I know all those things were basically killed here in the Mid-South, or my Arbovita is going to do the same thing in the next three or four days. And they were planted back in the spring. And I said, no, there again, moist soil. Make sure these things are mulched in really good to protect that root system. And if you want to go out there with some fabric and wrap these things, and I said, not only will it keep a lot of that wind, some wind, off of it, Jim, and keep from drying those uh, that tissue out, but more so than anything, just to keep the thing from just... <clears throat> falling under its own weight yeah when it comes to the ice and snow yeah and we'll talk about that i had a sweet olive that was damaged uh, from ice more than anything else anyway we'll be back here uh, in a few minutes you're listening to k-wham the garden help you need now mid-south gardening on the mighty 990 powered by palladio home and garden with your host veda vance kenneth mabry and jim crowder Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Mid-South Gardening. If you want to give us a call this morning, 901-260-5926, or you can shoot us a text on the Mighty 990 Facebook page, Mid-South Gardening. Uh, I'm Kenneth Mabry with Dan West Garden Centers. My uh, good friend and co-host of the show, Miss Veda Vance, is not here, but I do have to the left of me my dear friend, the smartest guy that I know, Mr. Jim Crowder. Jim? <laughs> well, bless you. Yeah. Jim, good morning to you, Sam. Good morning to you. And to my left, I have Mr. Jamie Childers here from from the Master Gardeners and. Uh, we're going to talk with him briefly in a little while about uh, all the upcoming events they are and uh, and what the Master Gardener program is about. But we got a phone call here we're going to take first. Let's go to it. Hey, Jean, good morning to you. Good morning. I have been listening to y'all this morning on the edge of my, my chair <laughs> about the upcoming weather, and and I'm, I'm, I've calmed down a little bit because... <laughs> 
<laughs> um, it, it sounds like it's it's going to be cold, but because of the wetness yeah. from the rain, it's going to be a better situation well, than, than the flash last year. Yes. Well, you're right, and not only that, Jane, is because we've also had some cold weather. These plants right. are, are so much more acclimated right now than they were during that flash freeze last last year. So I've right. got a pretty good feeling about this, yes, ma'am. But I have a but to it. Yes, ma'am. What if my what if, and I'm talking about one Yopon Holly. It's it's a Kathy Ann variety, and six encores. No, not six. Twelve. Two different beds. Twelve encores and two green mountain boxwoods. They were planted mid September. Okay. If, is that does that change my my chances of of maybe not having a lot of damage done to the these new plantings or do, does it matter? Well, new plants always are more susceptible because they don't have any a significant amount of roots out into your clay. Right. And like we were talking about earlier, because right. they're grown in a barky base mix, it allows air to move through that root ball. So mulch, right. mulching them is a good thing. Now, do you know the variety of Encore that you planted? Yes, the Autumn, uh, wait a minute, uh, Autumn Ember. Yeah, I, okay, that's a good one. There are a couple that are less hardy. I don't particularly like in Memphis Autumn Monarch or, or Starlight. Mm-hmm. They tend to, even on the coast, they have some damage with those trying to grow them. Um, yeah, they, these are the autumn embers. Yeah. I was going back and forth between autumn ruby because that's what I had at my last house. Right. I loved it, but I, I changed it up this time and 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 went with the autumn Ember. the autumn ember. Yeah, yeah. No, I have no problem with that one. I don't think you're going to see any damage on those. Mm. Now, Kathy Ann Yopon is a little less hardy than the species, but again, I don't think you're going to see any issue at all mm-hmm. on them. Well, I the, mean, it's not very tall at all. It's, uh, I mean, it's not much taller than I am. Yeah. And what it's about the three stalks? Stalks. Wait a minute. I'm standing at the window. One, two, three. Yeah, three stalks, limbs, whatever you call them. Should Should I go out there and wrap them like you were talking about? I don't think it's necessary. I mean, if it'll I'll make you it. feel better, go ahead and do it. But I think they're going to be fine. Okay. Yopon is technically a zone seven, and you know, I don't know for zone eight or twelve or whatever now. But, yeah. But right. anyway, um, I, th- I think they're going to be fine. I, r- I really don't think you have anything to c- be con- terribly concerned about. And again, I really believe we're going to have a, a r- significant amount of snow for Memphis anyway, which can okay. be a half an inch. Uh, right. <laughs> exactly. uh, but that would surely help insulate that roof That's right. That's, you're going to ha- not lose that heat that the soil has already got. And what? Okay. And the same thing with the Green Mountain. I mean, they should be fine. They should be fine. But Gene, yeah. Gene, you make sure that you've got you know a good two or three inch layer of mulch on that okay. root system, like Jim was talking about. You don't want that cold penetrating down into that root system. Okay, I may go. I've got a couple of extra. I, I had him put the the pine bark That's down instead yeah. of the shredded stuff uh-huh. um and, and they left me some extra bags so i may go add you know some mulch to those mm-hmm. but i was going to get out some old sheets and just put on top of the azaleas do i, I don't need to really do that you, you really don't but if you okay. you know it's fine it to do that feel better the, yeah. yeah but the thing you want to be concerned about is if we start getting six eight inches of snow right. it's going to break those plants so you um, want to yeah. get it I off heard you, i heard you say that i'd have to go out and, and yank them yeah. off right okay yeah. 
All right. Well, this makes me feel even better. So um, I thank you so much, and I I hope the weathermen are wrong. All right. Gene, thank you, dear. Have a great weekend, and let's hope we make make it through this without a problem. I agree. Thank y'all so much. Thanks, Gene. Appreciate the call. And yeah. Before we go to Jamie too, here I want to. We had uh, Nancy Smith just sent us a, a text here on on our Facebook group just a minute ago. Uh, what about blueberry bushes during this? Says it looks like they have have buds. Um, if they're rabbit eyes, I, I think you're going to be fine. Okay, I don't think they're going to be damaged. Now you know there are the the northern ones, northern high bush blueberries, which are actually shorter than rabbit eyes. Um, yeah, they call them high bush. Yeah, they're actually much more cold hardy. And most of what we plant here are rabbit eyes, which are more designed for the southern market and tolerate our heat. Um, but I don't think you're going to have any issues. I don't think the flowers are open uh, even enough to be damaged yet. Mm. So, I, you know, I'm not terribly concerned about them. And, and Jim, that's even if you don't know what variety you have out there, because like you said, most of them that are around here are the rabbit eye varieties. Right. Uh, but there again, as long as they're mulched in, uh, we should be okay. And also, Jamie, we'll get to you in just a second. I did have uh, another texter text in on the uh, Mid-South Gardening Facebook page, uh, and this is Mary Deaton. She said, do I need to cover my new hydrangea that was planted uh, just back in September? We're talking about hydrangeas again, Jim. Mm -hmm. Um, Same thing. You know, I saw a lot of damage on hydrangeas. We surely had no hydrangeas blooming. They're talking about the old-fashioned hydrangeas this past year because all the blooming tissue was completely frozen. But my hydrangea, even though it was killed to the ground, it came back out perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I always think that hydrangeas are a weak, I shouldn't say weak, an unwinter hardy type shrub. Talking about the old fashioned big leaf hydrangeas. Well, you know, they're like, they can be killed to the ground. But again, I think this, <clears throat> if it's going to happen, you could not be a better time than to happen right now. Right. Everything's pretty much hardy. And like I say, you go up into Minnesota, they have hydrangeas up there that are blooming, you know, yeah. in, in the spring, and it gets bitterly cold. So yeah. it's it's the timing of that cold that's, that's critical. And what, you know, we lose the flowers here usually because of a spring frost, not because of the cold. Mm. Okay. Because, well, unless everything's killed to the ground right. like it was last yeah. year. If, if the stems aren't killed, we get a little bit of warm temperature and they buds start swelling. And then you get a frost on that and it'll kill that flower bud and there it comes out and just and leaves beautifully, but you just don't get any flower. Well, but if you were Mary, would you take the time to go out there and cover your hydrangeas? I'm, it, talking, I'm talking about the old. <clears throat> You know, macrophilia. I would not. Yeah. No, I'm, mine are going to fend for themselves. But but you would make sure that they were mulched in. Right. Uh, and, if, and, and we're not saying that they can't get killed to the ground. We're not yeah. saying that at all. But we're saying if they do, they typically come right back out in the spring. But if she goes out there and covers them, um, in, in this case, this is a deciduous shrub. And they're just now really losing their leaves, a lot of them. Um, and I'll tell you about mine in particular, Jim. But covering them, uh, now, there again, unless she put a heating element in there to hold that temperature up, uh, I don't think covering is going to help this hydrangea yeah, at all. it's going to be just as cold underneath there. So, Mary, uh, just make sure they're mulched in, uh, and let's hope, you know, that, uh, you know, they're not frozen to the ground again like they were last year. Uh, and hopefully we'll see some blooms on hydrangeas, you know, this coming spring. But no, ma'am, I wouldn't go through the trouble of covering them, even though it sounds good. And it's not going to hurt anything if you do. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it's going to help you a whole lot if you cover these hydrangeas. Right. Well, we're going to a break. We come back. We're going to be talking to Mr. Jamie Childers here, uh, the master gardener. 
extraordinaire. Uh, so we'll be right back after this. You're listening to Mid-South Gardening right here on KWAM. Hey, welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Mid-South Gardening on KWAM. If you want to give us a call, 260-5926, or you can always shoot us a text on the Mighty 990 Facebook page, Mid-South Gardening. And and I know we're going to get to Jamie Childers, our guest here, uh, and Wendy Johnson. She sent me a text. Wendy, hang on a minute. We'll get to your text uh, just as soon as we possibly can. But uh, like I said, we've got a good friend in here, a great host, a great guest, uh, Mr. Jamie Childers. It was definitely a Memphis area master gardener. Uh, Jamie, I know we've got some things coming up that people need to know about, but before we even get into that, what is, if I want to become a Memphis area master gardener, and really what is the program all about? But what do I do if I want to become a member? Okay, it's about education, to tell you the truth right off the bat. And if you're not interested in education or or, or trying to help uh, other people, then you're in trouble with this program. But I mean, anyway. But that's what it's all about, is Absolutely. educating people about gardening. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, they, they, it started, what, 1994 out in Oregon, I believe. But anyway, it came about because the Extension Service just not, did not have enough people mm. to, you know, accommodate the, the demand or whatever. So they had a uh, Master Gardener uh, program with it out there, and it came out really well. And uh, Memphis and Tennessee, I think, adopted theirs in 1996-98, and it has become a really, really big thing for for the Extension Service as a as a helping hand for the Extension Service. Yeah, and, and if I wanted to become a member, though, I mean, can I go ahead and do it this year? Or No, 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 no. We started the new class two days. Uh, last Wednesday, started the new uh, academy. And so, anyway, no, you're going to have to wait until after July this year to apply now there will be plenty of we'll be coming back and let you know yeah. how to apply and and when to apply whatever okay. but if you go to the uh university of tennessee uh education department and uh, it's got the whole thing of what you need to do and uh, the dates have not been set yet but yeah. normally they start the last of july and then uh, they'll uh, let you know and then they'll have uh, we'll go through the interview process and so you just don't walk out now off the street now. So I would just walk off the street and walk up there and say, hey, I'm here. Where's my desk? <laughs> yeah, really. So That's, I did want to ask this. If you applied and weren't accepted for this one just because of lack of space or whatever, do you have to reapply and all for yes, this sir. next one? You have to reapply next okay. year. We okay. don't carry it over. But no one's ever turned down. They might not have the space, like you said, Jim, but you're not ever turned down. Because let's say if I'll go in there and say, I know nothing about gardening whatsoever. Absolutely. But I want to learn, and I want to go through these classes. I'm not going to get turned down because I know nothing about gardening. No, no, no. We're going we're gonna to help educate you. <laughs> and uh, we have some great instructors. A lot of these instructors who come in, uh, and they have to limit the class because of that particular reason. Uh, we just don't have enough <clears throat> space or whatever to accommodate more than 40 or 50 people. At, at one time. Well, that's going to be my next question. About how many people do y'all bring in every well, year? Well, uh, we got, uh, I think, 51 started okay. this time, and which is a, that's a pretty that's good size That's a pretty size good size class. class. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Now, but anyway, we have the extension service people come in all over the state, and they come in and spend a couple of days, uh, and then they'll have an, a lecture series or whatever. And at the end of this thing now, they'll, uh, uh, they'll go from, well, they started last Wednesday, yeah. Now they'll go 14 weeks, and uh, it's 
you know, four hours to six hours a day. It's according to how much, how much they're trying to get in. But it really works well. And uh, at the end of all of this, uh, in August or whatever, they'll have a test. And you know, and see, and people have asked me about this test. And it freaks them out that, hold, hold on a minute, you mean I've got to go through these sessions and then I've got to take a test at the end of all of this to become a Memphis Area Master Gardener? And the test is what's freaking them out. I mean, is this something that i got to study a year for to pass? Or No, 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 no. We're not, we're not that hard. It's, you know, if it were that difficult, and I probably wouldn't be here. I'd be out on the street myself. <laughs> now, so... You know, this is, this is an old police officer talking here, so they let yes. me in. But anyway, it's uh, if it was difficult, and I mean, outrageously difficult, it's not. We wouldn't. And that's why I was kind of making a joke about it, Jamie. It's not. It's surely nothing to worry about. Don't let a test at the end of the, of the sessions, one test, uh, keep you from becoming a Memphis area no, master gardener. No, no, and no. then after you graduate, you how many hours per year do you have to volunteer to keep that? You have to keep forty hours for your first. Now I'm I've I've been here long enough. That I don't have to go through forty. I don't have to give give that much. But you got to give forty hours, and then you got to go through twenty hours of continuous education. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's an so, ongoing, ongoing learning process. process. Yeah, it really is. And you have to do this every year to be eligible to to be ne- here next year. Mm-hmm. And I just I asked the other day, and somebody finally told me we got three hundred. We have three hundred and fifty one uh, master gardeners. Now that's a pretty big group of folk. You that's think awesome, but you take it out into consideration about right, five hundred thousand uh, the metropolitan mm-hmm. area. That's not very many at all, so it's a pretty, you know... Extreme. Small percentage. Yeah, it's really a, a prestigious quote, you know. I agree. Now, a lot of people who like the idea of going through the Master Gardener so they can put the sign in their yard, hey, Master Gardener lives here. Well, you don't want to do that because, you know, Master Gardener lives here, look at his yard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Boy. That's what they used to say when they drive by my house when I was on the radio. You sure he lives here? <laughs> the copper oh, that has yeah. no shoes. And Jane Carter, lovely lady, and she says, you know what? That's the worst thing I ever did was going through the Master Gardener program. She said, because once you set out, you just sit out in your backyard and look and you know, enjoy your yard. Mm-hmm. You know. He said, now I'm looking at that needs to be done. I got to go dig that one up yeah. and move it over here. Type <laughs> All thing. that pressure. <laughs> yeah. But but Jim hit on something about the the volunteer. Uh, you got to be a volunteer after you uh, pass the you know the classes, and I think that is one of the best aspects, honestly, of the Memphis Area Master Gardeners is the volunteership that people go through. Uh, and there's different ways you can volunteer. There's so many different ways through the course of a year that you can volunteer. But see, to me, that's the beauty of it, though. It is because you know they're giving back. Absolutely. I mean, from, I mean, from day one. So uh, I think that is great. But also. Other than becoming a Memphis area master gardener, you know, going through the classes and so forth, and you said, Jamie, just uh, start in like June or July for the next year right. uh, to get in, in, enrolled uh, and, you know, becoming a Memphis, area, a Memphis area master gardener and also the volunteers like we we're talking about. But also, there are different events that they put on every year and do it for a couple of reasons. One is for the community, okay? And then hopefully to raise a little money for the Memphis Area Master Gardener programs. Correct. Uh, and, Jamie, that's one reason that we wanted you up here is to kind of give us an idea of some of the events that were coming up. Uh, the first one was what? Memphis Area Master Gardener Presents. Okay. And what, what, is, the, what is that about? 
Okay, this is a giving back thing for the, the Master Gardeners do. Uh, this is a... Uh, it's a seminar that will be held on February the 17th. Right. Uh, it sounds like a, a long way away, and it is a long way away, a month. But anyway, uh, you, you go outside now and you see now. But anyway, mm-hmm. we've got two great speakers coming in from out of town. One's Jason Powell, and the other one is uh, uh, Jared Barnes. Mm-hmm. And they're really well-respected uh, nurserymen. So they're, they'll be here. And then the Memphis Area Master Gardener, presents it will be at lichterman uh, nature center mm-hmm. uh february the 17th from nine until 12 right and come on out and you'll really enjoy this if you don't enjoy it we'll i won't say give you money back but <laughs> you pay you're paying master gardeners uh and <clears throat> the people who uh are in mosh i think that's the the uh whatever lichterman is with the city or whatever but anyway, this is raising money for Lichterman's Nature Center, which is awesome. Which is we, you know, yeah, and they and they need it too. You know, they have no budget even to buy containers to to grow things in yeah. for their plant sale. Yeah, um, and you know, like last year, I bought a number of things at their plant sale because they just have so much unusual things. And that's I think one of the great aspects. If you can, when you're a master gardener, if you can volunteer for these plant sales, you get to you get exposed to thousands of mm-hmm. other good gardeners to be able to talk to and you get to see so many plants that you don't see in your yard you know and it's just such an opportunity to learn yeah no doubt about it but that's that is the first uh i guess event it is. Um, that's going on with the memphis area master gardeners and master gardeners present and uh, a better way to garden uh is what it's called seasonal garden information and like Jamie said, February the 17th, 9 to 12, Lichterman Nature Center, which is at 5992 Quince Road. Uh, and then I read something, Jamie, and tell me if this is true or not. They said try to bring some non-perishable food items to be donated to the Collierville Food Bank uh, when you show up to this event. Yes, I believe. Now, I'm not, I don't yeah. lock me into this, but uh, we do have a lady who is, in charge of that and uh which i think is awesome also it is mm-hmm. it is a great program uh and then as far as uh and you said the two speakers uh jason powell uh pedals from the past survivors in the garden which i think would be great and then dr jared barnes perennials with a southern flair which i think also is a great topic um but i think it's a really good thing to bring a non-perishable item to this event or more than one uh to kind of stock up the uh Collierville food bank and tell me if I'm wrong, I think it's only a $10 entry fee for Memphis Area Master Gardeners. For Master Gardeners. Right. you got to wear your badge now. Right. And I done bought my ticket. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be there working, but I bought my ticket hard. And then it's but only $12 for the public. You're yeah, only paying $2 more. <laughs> but, but anyway, it's it's good program. It really is. And we really enjoy this. And uh, the, the gardening part of this thing is the fun part, too. And, and you, Jim, you mentioned... Uh, different type of plants mm-hmm. at Lichterman, boy, you will see some different kind of plants that uh, you know people use a lot that I'm not familiar with at all. Yeah, and you know but, it's always the to me the the big two, you know, the Dixon Gallery and Gardens, and they're wonderful for what they do. Really, absolutely. And then the Memphis Botanic Gardens, the same thing. Yeah, I had all three of them because they were on the same day last year and just spent the day spending money. Remember you telling me that. But but (laughs) for some reason, it seems like we forget about Lichterman Nature Center. To me, uh, they're just as important as far as what they do 
as Dixon in the Botanic Garden. Yeah, and at Lichterman, too, if you end up with <clears throat> containers, plastic pots, cell packs, things like that that you don't need, drive into their parking lot. There's a place over on the left that has a sign that says, leave containers here. They'll take all the free ones that they can get. Did not know that. They, they sure need them, you know, and I've dropped a number of them off there. So, yeah, it's a, it's a good chance to do that. Well, we got to run to a break. Uh, Jamie, I want you to stay here with us, please, because we've only talked about one event that's coming up, and that was the first one. Yeah, and the Barton, Bartlett Garden University started today, I believe. Yeah, we're going to talk about that also, but that's uh, the one that we just talked about, February the 17th. we got other ones coming up, and we'll also talk about what's going on at the Bartlett Library. Guys, you've been listening to Mid-South Gardening. Give us a call, 901-260-5926. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Mid-South Gardening. I appreciate all the texts this morning. If you want to just shoot us a text, it's really easy. It's the Monday 990 Facebook page, Mid-South Gardening. If you want to give us a call, really easy, 901-260-5926. And I want to apologize this morning. You're having to look at Kenneth instead of Veda. Okay. So. <laughs> Jim, thank She's you for that. You're welcome. She, unfortunately, has, has been a little under the weather this week, and we appreciate her not coming and giving it to me because I'm going on vacation. I'm going to be out of here for the next two weeks, so y- y- y'all are going to have to take notes and, and you know and send them to me so I know what to correct while I'm, being, there, I'm gone. There's got to be a new rule. You can't be gone for two weeks in a row, Jim. Uh, but, Jim, you'll have a great time. You're going south, heading to the yep, beach. Yeah, going down to the Dolphin Island, you know, going to sit down there with a coat on because it's going to be pretty cool, too. But you know, <laughs> and, and we do have a, a great friend and a guest in here this morning, Mr. Jamie Childers, talking about the Memphis Area Master Gardeners. But before we get back to Jamie, uh, we did have Wendy Johnston. She sent a text in on the Mighty 990 Facebook page, Mid-South Gardening. She said, I have Coppertone Distillium on the south side of our home that was hit hard last year. So uh, should I worry about protecting them? Question mark. Uh, and I also have rosemary, arp rosemary, on the north side of the house. I lost one uh, before. Is there any hope for this one? So she's got coppertone distillium on the south side. She's got arp rosemary on the north side. And Lord knows we know what happened to both of them last year. Mm-hmm. Especially yeah. the, the distillium, Jim. They were just decimated. Right, but I, I don't think they'll be fine. I don't think you'll see any damage on those unless it hits... If, a few plants here tend to get a little burst of growth late in the season. Right. Japanese maples are one right. uh, and when it begins to cool down. So if a little tender foliage might get zapped, but uh, I don't think you're going to see any damage on that. Now, rosemary, yeah, you know, it mm-hmm. it can get zapped any year, you know. And even it, the arp. You know, a lot of people think right. arp is more winter hardy than all the other ones. It, it is winter hardy quotation mm-hmm. more so than some of the others but that doesn't mean it's just going to roll through zero degrees not a problem that's right it's just mm-hmm. going to depend on how cold it gets you know if it gets down you know i heard one weatherman this week say that it could be as low as minus <laughs> three um which is you know 10 degrees or so colder than most everybody else is saying so you mm. know if it gets down like that then it's probably not going to make it right. i mean it's just not uh, now, but what it's probably going to be root hardy Okay. Okay. So it may come back from the roots, but what's going to be important is that if it gets zapped and you start to see it losing its foliage, cut it off the ground. Mm. Okay. So we don't continue to get that die back. Yeah. All right. And hopefully we'll stop it before it gets all of the root system. Now, 
the other thing that Wendy could do on the ARP rosemary, if she wanted to, is dig that thing up, put it in a pot, yeah, and put it in the garage where it's protected. Mm-hmm. Um, so Wendy, uh, same thing. You know, I don't think we're going to see the damage. Uh, you know, this year that we saw. Of course, a year ago with that flash freeze, even on things like distillium, because I'm telling you, man, those things, they were beat to death. Mm-hmm. But it's not because truly, Jim, of the shrub itself. It was there again because of the event and the way that it happened. Right. Because distillium, I mean, they're fairly hardy around here. They are. You know, you know? in fact, they do better here than they do a lot of places. Um, when I was at the Botanic Garden, they planted a whole bunch of them. And, you know, based on the recommendations, they placed them how they should be right. uh, left some space between them <laughs> and they overgrew that they grew over the boxwood in front of them oh yeah so they were they became a high maintenance plant because okay. of the way they were well it might have been the variety and the way they were crowded in there right well and they really weren't all that crowded i mean mm. they were just they do better here you know it's like when the encores first came out you never saw one advertised that get over four feet tall right and that here I can show you some. They're eight feet tall, right? You know, so they get they tend to like it here, and that's right. And I love distillium, by the way. And there's so many different varieties on the market now. Uh, some that are more dwarf, of course, and some that get pretty darn tall, like linebacker, for example. But Wendy, uh, hopefully, you know, same thing that we've been telling people: make sure they're well mulched in. You do want to protect that root system. Um, I don't think we're going to see, you know, we might see some, there's again, some, some tip burn, like Jim was saying on some of that new growth or the newest of the growth, uh, you know, because of this cold weather. But I don't think we're going to see that widespread destruction that we saw on distillium, you know, a year ago. Right. Uh, appreciate the uh, text there, Wendy. And there again, if you want to shoot us a text, uh, Facebook page, Mighty 990, uh, Mid-South Gardening, and it's, it's that easy. All right. Uh, switching gears, going back to our good friend and guest here, uh, Mr. Jamie Childers. Uh, a Memphis area master gardener. He's been in it so long now. He said he's uh, he's grandfathered in. He don't have to take any more tests or anything. <laughs> uh, but talking about some of the events that were coming up, and the first one that you mentioned was Memphis area master gardener presents a better way to garden seasonal garden information, which is February the seventeenth from nine to twelve at the Lichtman Nature Center. Uh, and like we said, play, uh, try to bring a non-perishable food item uh, to be donated to the Carryville Food Bank. And the two speakers, Jason Powell and Dr. Jared Barnes. And real quick, uh, Jason Powell, you said, was Petals from the Past, Survivors in the Garden, which I think is a great topic. And then Dr. Jared Barnes, Perennials with a Southern Flair. Now, the next big thing after that, Jamie, is Spring Fling? Absolutely. That's the big moneymaker. That's the one that we, you know, everybody hangs their hat on and... Uh, the people do a marvelous job with that. They really do. And it's the biggest thing going. And spring fling is kind of like, to me, the beginning of spring. Absolutely. You know, I mean, it is. It's like the door to spring. Absolutely. Uh, and and now, that's, of course, at the Red Barn at the Agri Center. And is it, tell me if I've got my notes right, is it March the 22nd and 23rd that's this correct. year? That's correct. Uh, and Friday there again, Saturday. free admission. Yes. So if you want to ever get a kind of like a peak of beautiful plants, trees, shrubs. Uh, and, of course, they have vendors there that yes. sell all kind of stuff. Yeah, I've, I've spent a bunch of money there. E- even when I was there as a vendor, you know, people would come in and go, oh, man, look at that. i got to have that, you well, know. That reminds me of what, what Paul Little used to do. When Paul was, um, you know, that he would have his booth there selling the sedums. 
Uh, and of course, it'd be you know ten degrees below zero, yeah. and the wind would be yeah. howling through there, and they'd be huddled around this you know fifty-five gallon drum with you know flames shooting out of it. You know, he never will forget about that. But he said he always he never spent money on his own sedum. Okay, <laughs> no. he spent tons of money when he left the booth. Yes. So that's right. his wife Kay, uh, when she was around, she was saying, you know, that he just needs to stay in the booth. <laughs> you know, that way he couldn't spend any money on all the wonderful things that were out there. But spring fling, uh, like you said, Jamie, that is that's the big deal. That's there. the cash cow. Yes, sir. And that allows uh, us to do all the other things that we're able to do. In March, uh, write that one down on your calendar, guys. Uh, the March 22nd, 23rd, that's at the Red Barn at the Agri Center from 9 to 5. And when we say mark it down on your calendar, we mean the Memphis Area Master <laughs> Gardener calendar. Right. Uh, Jamie, this is the one that you gave me, and I thank you for that. But this calendar right here already has all this information that we're talking about in the calendar. Yep. You know, so that's one of the beauties of this calendar right here. Uh, and Jim, I didn't see your picture in there, but you know, maybe there's always next year. Well, you know, like I say, I got the perfect face for radio. So <laughs> there's a reason they didn't put my picture in there. Yeah, and I, I do want to talk about how they have such the master gardeners tend to have much very good teachers and very good speakers. Uh, the reason I know is because I've taught a number of, particularly in Fayette County, uh, and in and this March, March 11th, I'm going to be speaking to the Hardeman County Master Gardeners, and uh, I was there a number of years ago, and they enjoyed it so much. They're this time they're opening up to the public, so everybody can come. So and they have a large meeting room, so. Uh, I'm going to go entertain them for a couple of hours. And uh, so if you're over in that area, hope you can join us. And how do I, Jim, if I, I mean, if I won't, if I forget what you just told me, but I want to find out about just, it. Just, you know, do a search on Hardeman County Master Gardeners and it will tell you that information. And that you said was March the 11th. March the 11th, yes. That is great. All right. So, Jamie, we've got Memphis Area Master Gardener Presents, okay, with the two wonderful speakers coming in. And then, of course, the big one, you know, the grandfather is Spring Fling. Right. Now, we one of the one of the gentlemen, I can't remember which one, will be Powell, was bringing plants for this. The Jason Powell, right. uh, Petals from the Past, he's going to have the survivors in the garden. He will be bringing, like you said, Some plants, plants in that will be available for sale. Right. Uh, and that was the, the Memphis Area Master Gardener Presents, which was on February the 17th. So that's, that is great. That's just right around the corner. It is. And uh, and then last one, uh, one of the biggest events also is what through our garden gates. That's yes, that's in the spring or whatever. And that's the one that's a lot of fun because people open up their own personal home, absolutely landscape for people to come and take a look. And, and these I, are all master gardeners that you're going to be able to see their gardens and how they've done. And that one is uh, Saturday, June the 3rd is what I'd written down uh, from 9 to 4 through our garden gates. And we'll go back over these, Jamie, of course, before sure. but June 1st. Uh, okay, I got third. Okay, June the 1st through our garden gates. Uh, write that one down also, guys, 9 to 4 o'clock. But the beauty, and I know we've got to go to a break, but the beauty of that event is different people. Jim, you've done it before. No, I actually haven't done the garden gates because I, I am not. I am an honorary master gardener, which is my most prized possession, being honored by the <laughs> University of Tennessee for 
what I have done to the gardening industry, <laughs> but um, my my garden would qualify. And I, I have opened my garden in other events. That's what I mean. I mean, right. you've done that before. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when Jim was, you know, as an honorary member of the Memphis Area Master Gardeners, he made the comment that his frame was bigger than Invaders. <laughs> it was. <laughs> and, and, and that's important. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we're up and running this morning. we got to run to a break, and when, when we get back, we'll talk about about some of the events that are going on at the uh, Bartlett Public Library, which is a big deal. If you want to give us a call, 901-260-5926. Hey, welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Mid-South Gardening. If you want to give us a call, 901-260-5926, or you can shoot us a text on the Mighty 990 Facebook page, uh, Mid-South Gardening. Uh, and Jamie, our good friend and co-host, uh, not co-host, uh, our guest this morning, but my cohort. co-host of, cohort and my co-host of the show, Mr. Jim Crowder, to the left of me. Good morning to you again, Mr. Jim, and good morning to you, Mr. Jamie. We were talking about the events of the Memphis uh, Area Master Gardeners, uh, and the last one was through our garden gates. And I think Jan, correct me, it was Saturday, June the 1st from 9 to 4. Uh, but Jamie, you made a comment about through our garden gates is when we get a chance to go to other people's properties and take a look at what they've done. And to me, it's nothing like it because you get to see what plants look like incorporated in, in different landscapes and also a lot of times how they're paired with other plants. So you get wonderful ideas. But Jamie said <laughs> one of the things about through our garden gates was what, Jamie, when you walk through these gardens and you go back home, you want to start digging your yard up. I know. It makes you depressed. <laughs> that is too funny, but it can be so true, I'm oh, telling it is you. so true, so true. Uh, these, these people, they I mean, if you're going to have somebody in your yard, you want your yard to look good, right? Absolutely. So, But anyway, we went through this one time, and darn near went broke. Yeah. I, I darn near went broke, because I had a master gardener before they came, come and said, well, you need to do this, and you need to. I couldn't hardly afford it. And I told him, like, you've had me one time. I, you won't be back in my yard. But see, that's it. The pressure's on when you when you do say, hey, yeah, I'll yeah. open my property uh, for everybody to come through. It's kind of like having company over. You know, you can't <laughs> oh, have it. Is. Yeah, when I've opened mine, you know, I've spent the day before going to nurseries, picking up stuff. Yeah. You know, if there's a hole, got to put something there. Let's get some color in there. <laughs> like Jane Carter says, you know, you can't sit in the backyard and enjoy a cup of coffee. You know, oh, I need to do that and uh, he, he exactly is, and then you do that exactly but and so those are the some of the things that are coming up events with the memphis area master gardeners but also uh really important are some events that are coming up jamie uh events by the six-part series of garden talks events by the uh, bartlett city beautiful gardening university uh do you know anything about those oh i know they've got great great speakers because they're all master gardeners mm-hmm. that, that, yeah, and the uh, one today is one of my favorite things, garden myths. Yeah. Okay, because there are a whole bunch of them out there. Yes, when I, sir. When I saw that last night, the first person I thought of was Mr. Jim Crowder over here. But today, uh, from I think it starts about 2 o'clock at the Bartlett Public Library. Guys, it's free admission also, which is 5884 Stage Road. And Tom Ryman, who we all know, wonderful fella, you know, can't brag enough about Tom. Uh, but the... Uh, it is, Jim. It's about garden myths. Mm-hmm. And I know that 
you know, some garden myths are just hard to get rid of. Oh, absolutely. You oh, know? Yeah. And some people are not going to believe you regardless, you know. <laughs> I mean, you can just put undeniable evidence in front of them, and they're going to say, oh, that's not, you know, or they're going to argue with you. <laughs> Take more than facts to convince me, right? That's right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And a lot of times I get, we'll see emails, you know, that where Jamie's put in his part, and, and he's like, even though we don't agree with you sometimes, yeah. which that's directed at me, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm okay with that. <laughs> but these are really good guys. I'm telling you, the six-part series is once a week for the next six weeks at the uh, Barnett Public Library. And uh, typically, they start about 2 o'clock every Saturday. The first one, like we said, is today with Tom Ryman, Garden Myths, which I would love to have a chance to be over there. Uh, January the 20th. Jamie, uh, this is um, Native Pollinators, which I think is also very important. And this is with Susan McKnight. Mm. Uh, but a lot of people, Jim, would do two things. They like to plant native plants, and they surely want to plant plants that are good pollinators. Right. You know, But most people, when they think about pollinators, think about honeybees. Right. Which are not our primary. You know, Even worldwide, honeybees only, only pollinate about 10% of the crops. Okay, in the United States, about 30, but most of that's because of the almond crop. Right. Okay, so you know, if we lost all the honeybees today, the only thing you wouldn't be able to find would be almonds. Mm-hmm. Okay, everything else would be fine. So there's so many other pollinators out there that are yep. just are more important than just our honeybees. Absolutely. Now, we love them, don't get me wrong. We do, but they, you know, they're a beneficial, invasive species. <laughs> well put. Uh, that was on January the 20th, and that's with Susan McKnight. January the 27th, Jamie, uh, is the art of... Yes, espalier, and I think that is great because a lot of people, when they plant a shrub, Jim, Jamie, y'all know this, when you plant an evergreen, you know, a lot of us just let it grow like it wants to grow. 85% of us don't. We want to get in there and create a sculpture, whether we're pruning this thing to look like a, a curling effect, whether we're pruning it to look like a beach ball, which is my personal favorite, whether we're pruning it to be, you know, squared on the top, Jim, uh, I think you should revoke his master gardener. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, what? but the art of espalier is really important also because people do get in there, and some people get in there and do it the wrong way. They just start cutting back and, and, and cutting out, and it, it just, they wind up with the mess. So that's on January the 27th, and that's with Tom Ryman again also, the same one that's doing it today with the garden miss. And if you've ever been to his garden, he is ex- excellent at doing that. He, he is. One of the most unique gardens I have ever been in. Well, there you I'll go. I'll agree with that. Yeah, he is. He's super. And yeah, so, even him, his front yard. So he knows what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, and when, one time when when I was on the Master Gardener program, okay, I, I mean on the Bartlett City Beautiful, mm-hmm. you know, we had territories that we go through in each month during the growing season. We pick out yard of the month. Uh-huh. Well, I'm driving down this street one day and I see this yard to the left here, and I think, man. So I check the address. It hadn't won the last five years. Mm. So I thought, this is great. This has got to be Go walk one. up the door, and Tom and his wife come to the door. <laughs> <laughs> so, oops. He said, you can throw that sign back there with the other ones. <laughs> okay, now Tom lives on Honeybee. Yeah. Lori is his lovely wife. Her email address is queen of the honeybee. Oh, I love uh, it. I I love it. February the 3rd, write this one down, guys. This is curb appeal, which is a big deal. Anytime you pull up to your house, you know, the first thing you see is the landscaping, okay? Um, and that's with Kim Halyak. You know, she's been up here before, mm-hmm. so and Kim's a great person also, and that's going to be February the 3rd. February the 10th, we've got two more to go, maintaining a flower bed, and that's with David Fuchs. And I'm thinking, man, that sounds so benign, but it's so important. 
how to maintain it. We can mm-hmm. all plan it. But then what do we do, right? We read it usually. <laughs> You're right, Jim. Thank you. That's on February the 10th. And then February the 17th, uh, Backyard Chickens. And I just started chuckling when I read this. This is with um, uh, Joni Bailey. And, you know, chickens, they're a big deal. People love chickens. And they, for some reason, there are more chickens in the city of Memphis than there is in the whole state of Mississippi. Okay? <laughs> so, But you need to know how to raise these things. And that's going to be on February the 17th. And these are that six-part series of Garden Talks, like we said, guys, uh, events by uh, Bartlett City Beautiful. And uh, they're going to be at the, uh, at the Bartlett Library, the public library, at 5884 Stage Road. And once a week for the next six weeks, there's some great topics that we need to go out and take a take a look at. Um, so we sure want to support them. Jim, you've been involved with that before, like you said. Yes, indeed. And we definitely want to support uh, the Memphis Area Master Gardeners, who are wonderful people, like just like the gentleman that's in here with us right now, Mr. Jamie Childers. And, of course, he wouldn't be that wonderful without his sweet wife, Jan, sitting right beside him. Yeah. But uh, a lot of good stuff going on. And uh, there again, if you're ever starving for information, I mean, that's what this is all about. This is all about education, like you said, Jamie. Um, and, and that's the biggest thrust. And then it's not only for the adults, for the kids also. Oh, absolutely. We have a youth plant camp that uh, in the middle of the summer that goes really, really over very good. So it's, it's, it's a, we, we do all right sometimes. Yes, you do, buddy. <laughs> you do. And then can, can I ask one question before we go to the break, Jim, if you don't mind? Um, what about the Victory Garden? Does that have anything to do with any of y'all? Oh, absolutely. That okay. is ours. Okay, what do that's, you mean? that's my point. And boy, there's some, that's some girls that work their ears loose out there. I mean, to tell you, they really do. And, and all the, all the every piece of produce that they, they can't make any money, we can't make any money. No. So they guess all goes to the Collier Bowl Food Bank. Oh, that's wonderful. And see, a lot of people forget about the old Victory Garden. You know, I know what I'm saying? I that's know. why I wanted to bring that but up. Boy. Teresa Devlin does it. We'll be right back, guys. Give us a call, 901-260-5926. The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990. Powered by Palladio Home and Garden. With your host, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Mid-South Gardening. If you want to give us a call, 901-260-5926, or you can always shoot us a text on the Monday 990 Facebook page, Mid-South Gardening. Uh, our good friend and co-host of the show, Miss Veda Vance, will be here next weekend. She was a little under the weather this weekend. And our great friend and co-host of the show, Mr. Jim Crowder, we won't see him for a couple of weeks. He's heading south to the beach. Yes. Which, Jim, I... I want you to have the best time ever. Thank you very much. And we'll get back into uh, some of the things that we should or shouldn't be doing when it comes to this really cold weather coming in. But we also have a wonderful friend and guest, uh, Mr. Jamie Childers, here this morning with us. And kind of a recap, Jamie, we've been talking about the Memphis Area Master Gardener programs uh, and a lot of the events that are coming up this year. And, we, you know, we mentioned uh, through our garden gates, of course, um, Master Gardener presents and then... Um, what was another big one? It was something to do with tomatoes. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Maybe, maybe it's the third week, third Saturday in July. Third Saturday in July, and that Every is the year. the great tomato contest. Absolutely, that's, um, that's we're real proud of that one, <laughs> and we work hard at it too. I know you do. Anyway. And so we definitely write that one down. And you know, people will be growing their tomatoes. And to me, like I said, that's the only ve- fruit or vegetable, Jim. Tomato fruit. I'm going to say vegetable. The only vegetable 
that people can really brag about. You know, I mean, you can grow some of the best green beans in the world. Who cares, right? They're fruits, too. Yeah. Oh, God. But if you grow the best tomato, people are going to take notice. To me, that's the king of the garden. (laughs) That's a fruit also. It's fruit. (laughs) If you're eating the reproductive part of any plant, that's a fruit. Well, the tomato. If you're eating the stem or leaves, that's a vegetable. (laughs) I'm getting a headache. Okay. But that does make sense. But you're right. A tomato is a fruit, and we all call it a vegetable. But that, to Jamie, is one of the biggest events to me uh, that y'all present is the tomato contest. It is, too, but that's not true to everybody. But anyway, the the big thing is coming up. The first thing is get there first with the mostest, and we did with this Memphis Area Master Gardener Presents with those two speakers or whatever. It's Mm -hmm. Lichterman Nature Center Mm -hmm. on February the 17th. That's right. From 9 until uh, 9 12. to 12. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, and uh, it's, it's a great program. So everybody, please come out and do that for us. Look, I bet you, you need to see Lichterman anyway. That is true. Because it is a forgotten mar- uh, park. Well, and, uh, and that's what I was saying earlier. You know, there's there's the big three, you know, the Dixon, the Memphis Botanic Garden, and Lichterman. Right. And it seems like, to me, Lichterman, people just don't think about it. Maybe it's, just, it's not as big as Dixon or the Memphis Botanic Garden, because they're all wonderful. Don't get me wrong. Oh, Dixon's great. Botanic Garden's wonderful. And, but so is Lichterman, and so we need to throw some weight behind it also. And all this money is going to Lichterman. Right. So the that's educational that, program. That's there. a win-win situation. So, Jamie, I guess if anything comes up uh, with the Memphis Area Master Gardeners, you, I mean, you're going to have to let us know uh, if anything that we need to know. And then you made a comment, other than you and your sweet wife being up here this morning, that at some point you might get Dr. Chris Cooper up here, and we'll, you know, me and Jim will grill him. Uh, Absolutely. You know, we'll be nothing but nice to Mr. <laughs> yeah. to Dr. Chris Cooper. Um, and and what was it, Jim uh, or Jamie, the television show? Of, uh, huh? You mean Family Plot? Yes. Yes. What, uh, what about that? And is, and is that, I mean, because that's still going on. Oh, absolutely. It? Watched it Thursday night. And, and their new episodes? The I don't believe this one was new because it it had a spring... It was show pictures just after harvesting corn, so or, or yeah. late summer. Um, and I think right now they're doing some splicing and because somebody said two or three weeks ago they saw me on there, and I haven't done one in a couple of years. Well, it's funny because I was doing some research, and sure enough, I got online, started doing some research, and hit this entry. I forget what it was, and the family plot came up with Jim on it. I'm like, I can't get away from him, you know. <laughs> But uh, but Dr. Chris Cooper, he does the he's also very active with family plot. But it, was there something else that Dr. Chris Cooper was that his what's growing on? That is, yes, is one of the extension eight retired. One of the extension agents has retired and working WKNO. Okay, as what's growing on. Okay, I remember those. Okay, so, yeah. all right. So guys, I mean, so there's a lot of different ways that we can become informed. Um, you know, information's out there. And Jim, you know, even your Facebook page, Miss South Gardening Zone 678. Right. Uh, and, you know, there again, I, I was taking a look at it. In fact, that's taken over my phone, by the way, uh, your Facebook page, because every time I open it, there it is, which I think is great. But a lot of the questions were coming in about, you know, the event that's coming here, the cold, cold weather. And we'll get back into that when we, uh, when we get back from the break, because thank goodness this event me and Jim have come to the conclusion, even before we came in here this morning, that it's not the same event that happened or the same effects that we're going to see, you know, a year ago. And that is mm-hmm. just great news. And we'll go back over 
some of the reasons why we don't think it's going to be widespread just destruction, you know, that we saw a year ago. Uh, and then, you know, why is the, you know, snow? A lot of people like, you know, snow is going to freeze the tissue of plants. Well, that's not the case at all. Snow mm-hmm. is going to come in and act as, as an insulator. An insulator. Yeah. But uh, some of the things that we can do to protect our pots, some of the things that we can surely do to protect our plants, what should we be on the lookout for? Uh, and, you know, is the, like you made a comment a while ago, Jim, getting down below zero degrees, that is still cold. It, it is you know? cold. Yeah. And so, so what is the difference between now and, you know, and what happened, you know, a year ago? So we'll get in, into that also. But, Jamie, uh, we can't thank you enough, of course, for being up here. Uh, you are one of the biggest proponents of the Memphis Area Master Gardeners that I know of, honestly, and I mean that truly as a compliment. Uh, but just remember this, guys, the, the first big three things, Memphis Area, Memphis Area Master Gardeners presents, uh, and that's February the 17th. Uh, then got Spring Fling, of course, which is the March the 22nd and 23rd. Definitely write that one down. And then Through Our Garden Gates, which is uh, June the 1st. And then the tomato contest. Yeah, and that was on the March the 11th. Tomato contest? No, when was it? Third Where are you going to grow them? I don't know. <laughs> it's in July, the July, third Saturday. July the 20th. <clears throat> I don't know where to get my notes from. July the 20th. Write that one down, guys. And also, just to recap before we go to the break, uh, the six-part series of Garden Talks, these are events by the Bartlett City Beautiful, and Jim, you've been in, involved in that before, uh, Gardening University. Uh, today, starting today, uh, the topic is going to be about garden myths with uh, Tom Ryman, which I think is great. Uh, and most of these start about 2 o'clock every Saturday. And then it goes January the 20th, the 27th, February the 3rd, February the 10th, and February the 17th. So check all of those out, guys, because I'm telling you, these, <laughs> these are wonderful topics. Uh, and just to recap real quick, Jim, on January the 20th, uh, it's about native pollinators with Susan McKnight. January the 27th, the Art of Espalier with Tom Ryman again. February the 3rd, uh, Curb Appeal, uh, Kim Halyak. Uh, February the 10th, maintaining a flower bed. And then lastly, February the 17th, uh, backyard chickens with Joni Bailey, which I think would be a wonderful topic. So a lot of good uh, stuff going on out there. And then just the old-fashioned in the calendar. Uh, Jamie, you know, the uh, the Memphis Area Master Gardener calendar, I'm telling you, these are great. If you can still get your hands on Do you have one any of these, left? At- I've got some left at Dan West. Okay. Yep. Uh, they are absolutely chock full of all this information. And then the different societies that are going on, like at the Botanic Gardens. You know, the Horde Society, the Orchid Society, the Hosta Society, all these wonderful societies that are out there. So if you're starving for information, I promise you the answers are definitely out there, starting with getting one of these great calendars from the Memphis Area Master Gardeners. All right, Jim, before we go to a break, Mr. Jamie Childers, we want to thank you again for being up here. Jan, always good to see you. Uh, If you want to give us a call, 901 260 5926. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Mid South Gardening. My name is Kenneth. I'm the host this morning because our good friend and co host of the show, Miss Veda Vance, she's out, uh, not feeling well this morning under the weather, as they say. And apparently, I'm not a host. Uh, but my good friend and co host <laughs> of the show, right here to the left of me, who I love to death, Mr. Jim Crowder. Good morning to you once again, Mr. Jim. Good morning, everyone. We appreciate you joining us this morning. Anybody out there listening, if you want to give us a call, 901-260-5926, or you can always shoot us a text on the Mighty 990 Facebook page, Mid-South Gardening, Jim. So you're going to have to maybe look at that every now and then because my phone is just dead. Okay, all right. Uh, And, of course, like we talked about in the first hour, 
is uh, you know the big the big event, of course, and the in the big worry uh, potentially is the really cold weather, the weather coming in, um, really cold. And you know we remember you know just a year ago what happened with that flash freeze. Now we can call the flash freeze what we want. It was still cold weather that came in, and that's what's kind of freaking people out, Jim. But there is a difference between what happened a year ago and really what's coming through now. And like Jim said in the first hour, one of the biggest differences is really the timing of it all, Jim. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, that that to me is the biggest difference, isn't it? It is. You know, it, the timing. Yes. You know, we've had cold temperatures before, you know, at or near zero, where plants really survive. Now, we've had some that were nasty, you know, back um well, it's been 40 years or so. We had a year where it had dropped down to minus eight, and even mature crepe myrtles were knocked back to the ground. Mm-hmm. I do um, remember that. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it can happen because it can just be so cold for so long. Uh, well, and that, go ahead. And, and again, we're here, we're going to have... We're going to have the temperature come up 10 to 20 degrees during the day, which will help. Uh, but we're going to be 72, 96 hours, maybe a little more, where we're not going to be above freezing. And that was going to be my question. What about the duration of this cold that's, weather? That's one of the things, the duration. You know, a, a quick down and up, and usually there's not, not much damage. But there could be because of the duration. And we got, looks like another shot coming in. Uh, towards the next weekend, but I don't think it's going to be quite as cold. But I think you'll see some highs right around freezing. So, but, but even with the the longevity, the duration of this cold weather that's coming in, which could be below freezing for mm-hmm. almost a week, mm-hmm. you know, um, we mentioned the timing is different because this time around, because this time around. Thank goodness it's not early in the season. Right. We've had enough cold weather to put most everything into a good dormant state. And it's amazing how hardy these plants are once they go into a dormant state. Right. Which is completely different from the flash freeze that came through last year. And we saw so much destruction, so much damage out there on the plant tissue, gym because they didn't have a chance to become acclimated. Right. Everything was still full of water. Okay, the leaves were still full of water, the stems were still full of water, and that's what cold temperature does. It 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 makes the plant understand that it all it needs to start preparing for winter. Right. And so the the sap and the water is moved down into the root system for next spring. So it's not just a setting up there at, in the top like it was last year. Right. Uh, and then, you know, as we begin to warm up, then that sap starts moving upwards. And that's even in the trees, you know. You you don't get those buds to pop and get leaves until that sap has moved from the root system all the way up there Mm. that's one of the reasons we talk you know i've always been an advocate of if you're going to treat with a systemic like a metacloprid for for things like pecan phylloxera you need that systemic at the uh, up at the buds when they attack and that's when the buds swell yeah so if you put it down in january and the ground's not frozen then it's absorbed and it moves goes with that sap all the way to the top early in the season. If you wait to May, the damage is already done. Right. You know, you're not it doing it. It can still get it. moved up there, but... But it isn't going to do any good for pecan phylloxera. <laughs> right. Right. So, it, gotcha. you know, the timing of when you apply these things, you know, is different. Like if you're trying to prevent grubs, then May and June is the best time. So it, it all depends on your target organism and when it attacks as to when you use these products. All right. So you're saying the water, uh, which is... Is being drawn down to the roots. Right. The sap is being drawn down to the roots. So the plant or the tree is now in a what we call a dormant state. Right. 
Right. And so you don't get that <clears throat> expansion like you do when you have water in there. You know, sun scald is the thing that we typically have a problem with here, and that's because we live in this transition zone where mm. our soil warms and freezes repeatedly instead of being either thawed all the time or frozen all the time. Yeah. And so when we get particularly warm Februarys and March and you get the sap rising and th- in these thin-skinned trees like we talk about, Japanese maples, dogwoods, young fruit trees, okay, then that thing freezes one night. You Then the next morning the sun hits that east side and you get this rapid expansion and you get just crazy to think right, about you get you get the destruction of that tissue but but if they're dormant like now right we don't see that now what about uh, you know jim evergreens because when i say evergreens to me they're needled evergreens of course like mm-hmm. pine trees and cedars and cypress and on and on and then there are the bigger leafed evergreens whether it's a camellia a magnolia whatever uh doesn't there still there has to be moisture in that tissue? There's some moisture in there, but when you talk about evergreens, they're shading their trunk system, okay, pretty much. So you don't get that sun penetrating in there. Even the a deciduous tree, a large oak in front of your hydrangeas will help protect them from that because they block enough sun so that it you don't get this prolonged period of sun hitting even one a, spot. Even, like I said, even a deciduous tree. Right. It's kind of like if you park your vehicle under a deciduous tree, mm-hmm. okay? And you go out the next morning, there's a car beside you that's not under a tree, and it's just covered with frost. Right. Your car that's under a deciduous tree, doesn't have a leaf on it, doesn't have near the amount of frost on it that the car beside you does that's not under it. Right. So it's amazing what... <laughs> Jim, the effect of those trees right. have on plants around them or structures in the case of the car. Um, yeah, it's it really gives you some protection from that hour or two hour long heating of that. You know, as we talked about, there have been experiments that show that from when that tree is frozen and the sun comes up the next morning, there can be as much as 77 degrees which, difference which between still, the backside and the front side. And I know that's hard to believe. Scratch my head. Yes. Right. And so, you know, it, 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 it just gets, it expands so rapidly. And if there's moisture in there, it froze during the night, and then it thaws quickly, so you get tissue damage right. as those ice crystals have uh, right. done their damage. So. Well, and that's what I was saying a while ago, even on some of these broadleaf evergreens. I mean, if some of the water moisture uh, that's in the tissue, I mean, if it freezes, I mean, we're going to see some, a little bit of damage. Could be. But there again, we're still not going to see the overall destructive damage that we saw during the flash freeze a year ago because things are different thank goodness they are (laughs) and then we made the comment in the first hour even if we get some snow in here which we're supposed to i guess still on monday night maybe that snow will act almost like as an insulator as a blanket Mm -hmm. even though it's cold snow uh it it, is still an insulator so that would be a good thing if we do get snow and then, of course, we're also talking about, you know, a lot of people are covering their plants for all the right reasons. You know, they try to encapsulate and hold that heat from the ground as long as they possibly can. Um, and if you get a little snow on top of that, that also acts as a, a nice little insulated blanket. But like Jim was saying, we will still want to be careful on certain things. If you cover it, if you get a lot of ice and snow on there, you don't want it just crushing the tissue, the limbs. Jim, of what you're trying to protect. Yeah, and right now the National Weather Service is calling for Sunday evening and night, uh, possibly one to three inches accumulation. 
And then on Monday, Martin Luther King Day, we're looking at another two to four inches on top of that. Good Lord. So we could be, and, and like we said earlier, a number of the, the models, computer models that they're running are showing seven plus inches of snow in our area, less to the north, less to the south. But, but if this storm kind of... If it migrates a little to the south, a little to the north, we won't get as much that's snow. That's right. So right now, it appears that it's going to move just straight over us for a long period of time. So we get lots of snow, which really will be beneficial for the plants. So it's time to get the toboggans out. Oh, mm-hmm. by the way, we got sleds at Dan West. Oh, snow, um, and the snow shovel. Yeah, and, yeah. and the zero ice and all that. But, and if you um, own a snowblower, this may be the year you get to use it. <laughs> pull that thing out of the garage, pull the tarp off of it, blow the dust Those people off. people that came from the north. Yeah. You're, you're going to be in good shape. <laughs> yeah, but it's around here we just get the old flat-headed shovel out, Jim, and, and, and get that snow off of there. So snow can be a good thing is what you're saying uh, as, as far as a uh, an insulator. Um, and then, you know, we were talking about, and we didn't really get into it, but marginal plants. Uh, and to me, a marginal plant is not the plants that we saw a lot of damage on last year because we saw a lot of damage on everything, even, yeah, mm-hmm. everything, including extremely hardy plants. But a marginal plant would be something like a gardenia, Jim. Now, in that case, is it better to try our best to cover that thing? Yes, I would. Now, again, we're going to have such a long period of time that even covering it, it's still going to get cold under there. And if you've got particular variety that's not quite as hardy, some of the new ones are hardy up to about zone six, they're going to fare much better. Okay. You know, I my frost proof survived the minus three and it was six feet tall. Mm. But the next year, because of the timing of mm. the freeze, right. knocked it all the way to back to the main trunk. Right. So, you know, it all depends on, on what happens and when it happens. Now, on, on a marginal plant uh, like a gardenia, I'm just picking on gardenias, for example, um, you know, let's say we go out there, we make sure it's mulched in really good, make sure the soil is moist, which it should be with the moisture that we've already had. And I'm going to cover this thing, and I'm going to cover it ideally for two reasons. One is to keep that wind, Jim, off of the off the foliage. Mm-hmm. Just keep it from just drying That's it right. out. Uh, and secondly, you know, try to hold some heat in there. Even if I even put, like you said, a a, a bulb in there that's going to give off some heat or a heating cable, anything mm-hmm. that's going to give off a little heat. If I've got a prized shrub that I really want to keep around, and I know it's just marginal around here, uh, those are some of the things that we can do to keep it viable, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And then, of course, you know, we talked about... <laughs> You know, some of the things that we grow in containers. Now, when we get back from the break, Jim, to me, there are things that we grow in containers. Like we have, you talking about little Miss Figgy a while ago, the little dwarf mm-hmm. fig tree. Well, that's probably not in a massive size container. It, about 25 gallon. Okay, good. Yeah. And we'll explain why, what is the difference between growing something, say, in a half whiskey barrel and growing something in a 12 inch pot? Mm. Uh, and is one more liable to make it than the other absolutely you know and the reasons behind that also so we'll get into um a lot of that guys there again if you want to give us a call this morning 901-260-5926 and i know we're kind of rehashing what we went over the first hour but we think it's really important for people to know and understand uh with this cold weather coming in what they're up against and honestly what they're maybe not up against mm-hmm. like we talked to Jean in the first hour she was sitting on the edge of her chair almost fell off her chair because she has so much stuff out there that she just planted and she's like oh my god what if i lose this again yeah and we've got some callers holding we'll be, be with those if y'all hang on we've got to take about a five minute break here but then we'll be back to mid-south gardening kwam 
Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Mid-South Gardening. If you want to give us a call this morning, really easy, 901-260-5926, or you can go to the Mighty 990 Facebook page, Mid-South Gardening, and shoot us a text. Uh, but we can also go to the lines like Miss Vicky in East Memphis did. She gave us a call. Good morning, Miss Vicky. Good morning to you. Thanks for holding on. Hey, Kenneth and Jim. Good morning to you. It feels funny just saying the two of y'all's name. I, I'm, I'm missing Vader, but yeah. y'all doing a good job holding down the fort. Well, thank you, dear. Hopefully, yeah. she'll we'll see her next uh, weekend. And Jim's going to be gone for the next two weeks. Yeah, the next two oh. weeks aren't going to be very interesting. But you know, try to tune in if you can. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I keep keep that in mind. Well, uh, you guys, I got a question. Um, I have a Monada bee bomb uh-huh. bush. You know what it is, right? Yes, ma'am. And I just love that thing. It um, in the I, I, I guess at the end of the spring and all summer, it gives off the most vibrant, beautiful purple bloom. Mm-hmm. And I've seen bumblebees hanging around there. I saw a mm-hmm. few. Um, what are those little bitty bird hummingbirds mm-hmm. and butterflies? I just love that bush. And um, now my question is, um, it looks just like, you know, since it's winter and everything and everything is dormant, it has lost all its um, leaves and it has those sticks like my hydrangeas do. Mm-hmm. And I know you all say you should not cut back no. those sticks on the hydrangeas. Right. And is it the same with the bee bomb? Should I just leave it alone? And also I wanted to mention... My bee bomb had a little powdery mildew on it, and I'm just wondering, will it have that same thing when uh, the spring and the summer comes, you know, when it, when, when everything is back in bloom again? So, And I'm going to hang up and listen to you, you guys discuss that. Okay? All right. Thanks for calling, Vicki. Thanks, Vicki. Uh, okay. All great, right. great questions. Well, Jim, she mentioned powdery mildew. Powdery mildew we know is synonymous with uh, bee bomb. Yeah. You Some know. varieties are more resistant than the other, but I had a beautiful Jacob Klein, which is that red one. <clears throat> it is so susceptible, and it is so aggressive. Yeah. I finally had to remove it from the garden because it was growing all up through my hydrangeas. Yeah. You know? Uh, but no, take the stems out. Yeah. Okay? Cut it back. In fact, most of them, if you grab the stem, they'll come up pretty easily, but you may pull up part of the roots with it. Yeah. Uh, so I would just cut them off at the ground. They're not. They're not going to come back and bloom for you next year. Uh, but the powdery you mean the mildew, tissue that's dead now. right yeah the powdery mildew yeah it'll probably come back um you just if you don't spray them uh and if it's not getting the even perfect airflow is not going to help because powdery mildew doesn't need water on the leaves to, to become a problem that's true okay so you know there's not much you can do on susceptible plants like that to prevent it you you know start a spray program um but even it is such a good plant it will survive the powdery mildew, yeah. even though it looks ugly. And, and I would not ever not plant Monarda, no. knowing that I could get powdery mildew. Because like you said, Jim, some perennials are more prone to powdery mildew than others. And Monarda is just one of them. But like you also said, Jim, there are some cultivars out there now, some new varieties that are not as prone. Right. They, they call them resistant. you know, And that'll be true pretty much everywhere but Memphis. <laughs> okay. Exactly. I mean, you know, even knockouts, which... Elsewhere in the country, getting no powdery mildew and black spot. They it, do here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. And then you made the comment about, uh, you know, perennials that are dying back or have died back, Monarda being one of them, that you can just cut that tissue out of there. But you don't have to. No. You know, mm-hmm. you, I mean, I do it for aesthetic reasons. I just don't like the way the dead tissue looks. 
Now, a lot of people say if you just leave that dead tissue out there, even on something like Monarda, uh, that they could be more winter hardy. Well, I only think that might be true, Jim, if you have hollow stems. Yeah, I'm not concerned you know, about that. Me those. either, because I'm yeah. mulching everything in anyway. So, Vicky, the bottom line is you can definitely go out there and clean it up, cut it back as far as you want. That tissue's dead anyway. And know that really depending on the weather, because some years we see mildew more than we do other years. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is predicated on the weather that we have in the spring. Like Jim said, you know, hot, humid weather, usually some moisture is involved to get it started, but you don't have to have moisture to have powdery mildew, which mm-hmm. still blows my mind. So hope those... Um, yeah, Most of the perennials that I have that have that dead stem, I'll remove them because like Kenneth, I just think they're better looking. Me too. The exception is I'll leave my cone flowers because they're always full of seed and you'll get the little... Birds like goldfinches feeding on those, which I enjoy bringing them to the garden. So if you've got those, I usually leave them. And then, Jim, you made a comment also in years past about uh, plants that have hollow stems. You know, if you go in there and cut those back, it's just a more direct route of cold weather penetrating what stem is left down to the, the crown. Uh, are there some in, out there other than, say, coneflower, but you're not doing it because of the winter hardiness. You're doing it because of the seed heads. That's right. Yeah, um, but things like ornamental grasses, that's the reason we wait until spring so that we don't get water down in that crown. Right. If there's for some reason you got to cut it back, then what I do is I buy a bag of mulch. I pour the mulch into the wheelbarrow. I put the bag <laughs> over the perennial after I've cut it back. You know, or part of a bag, and then don't mulch on top of it. Getting down into that crown. Right. And it still can get to the root system, but you've got that coverage so that it doesn't get water into the center. Yeah, I had a gentleman call me the other day. He had actually some lantana that's been coming back. I think this was the seventh year that he had lantana coming back. Uh, And he said, Kenny, you know, what should I do? And I said, Well, you know, one one thing you know, do is make sure that it's well mulched in. And of course, this already died back. And I said, yeah, you can cut all that dead tissue off of there to about four or five inches off the ground and then come back and mulch everything in. Um, and I said, look, if it made it through last year, it's yeah. probably going to come back, you know, after this year because it's even more dormant now than it was even this time last year. So um, he didn't know what variety it was, Jim, but you and I both know there are some perennials that are extremely hardy. Come back. I don't care what you do to them. There are some perennials that are to me, tender perennials. Mm-hmm. You know, they're marginal. A lantana is actually a perennial somewhere. Some varieties are a perennial here, and most of them are perennial when you get a little further south. Exactly. But that doesn't mean that all lantanas that you plant, you can't expect them to come back here in the Mid-South every right. year, uh, depending on the variety. So um, keep that in mind. But, yeah, Vicky, the cut them back, clean them up, and just uh, get ready to spray uh, next year for powdery mildew because bee balm is susceptible. Jim, before we went to the break, we were talking about people growing plants in containers. And that's, uh, you know, why not? You know, whether it's uh, annuals, perennials, herbs, trees, shrubs, and everything in between, we try to grow them in containers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with cold weather coming in, anything that's above ground is not, that root system's not going to be insulated like it is in the ground. Absolutely. So, you know, you got to take some more precautions trying to protect things that are growing in containers. Now, like Jim said, uh, he's got something growing in a smaller pot that he's going to just take inside and put it in the garage. Right. Up- I've got I've got a camellia still in a container, and I've got a fig that's in a container that I'm going to move in. The bamboo is staying out. Now, it's going to get killed to the ground, but it comes back with a vengeance in the spring, and that's okay. <laughs> Most winters, it's evergreen, and it's just beautiful right now. Mm-hmm. It's got good, tall, green foliage up to about six feet. 
Um, but it's you know it's probably going to brown it all off this year. Yep. But that's okay. It'll come back. But you know it's not dead. Right. And then I have things like my water lilies and lotus, which can freeze solid. They're going to be fine. You know, it doesn't matter how long they freeze. They're going to come back, you know, regardless. So I don't have to do anything in those business leave them out. That just blows my mind yeah. also. But anything that's in it, because if you read about the winter or the tolerance of root systems compared to the tolerance of what's above ground, Roots are not as tolerant, okay? So that's why, you know, anything that's above ground in a container, we got to be extremely careful with. Now, the bigger the pot, the more soil you have around that root system, the less likely it is to freeze through that pot. Mm-hmm. You know, we mentioned half whiskey barrels, for example, you know, or, or an 18-inch, a 16-inch pot, something that's bigger than a small little 8, 10, 12-inch pot. Right. Um, the, the bigger the pot, the more soil you have, the less chance it's going to have to freeze through it, and the better chance it's gonna, that that plant's going to survive whatever's in there. But I'm telling you guys. This event is going to be different. It's going to freeze solid. <laughs> you gonna, know, it's going to happen. If you've got things in containers, uh, and Jim, that's why I was saying this lady earlier was going to wrap her containers uh, with heavy blankets and put mulch on top of that to help hold any heat in there that she can. And to maybe keep the, uh, you know, that cold wind from just getting that container as cold as it could be. But like you also said, Jim, you know, if we're, you know, in the teens for the next five days, I don't care what you wrap this thing with. Mm-hmm. You know, it's still going to get cold Unless in there. you add some extra heat somehow, it's it's going to freeze solid and, and stay that way till next weekend. So, so what's the bottom line when it comes to container gardening or containers in or gardens or whatever in containers right now today some of it depends uh, most of it depends on what kind of plant it is and whether or not it will tolerate those roots freezing things like japanese maples can take considerable cold Mm -hmm. things like azaleas not quite as much okay Mm -hmm. broadleaf evergreens for the most part are a little less pot hardy than deciduous plants right okay the ones that drop their leaves right so you know yeah yeah i've got a sir harry lauder's walking stick it'll go uh, it'll go right through this without worrying about a thing okay it'll be fine i've got a rhododendron that's you know it it's used to that kind of freezing but you know when you think about how roots grow especially in our soil here they grow outward yeah okay not very deep but in a container they're forced deep yeah so you have an opportunity here to freeze all of the roots instead of just part of the roots right. at the surface right so they're much more susceptible to being knocked back so you know i if it that it did it survived last year so i'm thinking it's going to be fine but still try your best to protect your plants that are in containers uh-huh for the next four or five days. Right. You know, but I'm all of my tropicals are in a um, shed. I've got some heaters in there, but they may not be strong enough to support it for this freeze. Even in the shed with some heat? Even with the shed and heat. So if it doesn't keep it up above freezing and I lose these tropicals, I think of it as an opportunity, <laughs> not as a loss. I got a lot of pots I can refill. <laughs> we'll be right back after this break. You're listening to Mid-South Gardening on KWAM. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Mid-South Gardening. If you want to give us a call, 901-260-5926. You can shoot us a text on the Mighty 990 Facebook page, Mid-South Gardening. Um, also, Jim, I just... Well, you know, I want to give out the call letters. This is KWAM 107.9 or 90, 990. AM, AM. 990. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
always forget to get out the, give out the call letters, which I think is important, though. KWAM, one of the finest stations around. And Jim and I have been talking about, uh, you know, the potential for winter damage and what's going to happen when this cold weather gets here. But before we get back into that, when I know we only got like 10 more minutes, uh, I want to thank Jamie Childers for coming by this morning. Absolutely. Uh, wonderful fella, Memphis Area Master Gardener, uh, and just kind of giving us an idea of the upcoming events that's going on uh, with the Memphis Area Master Gardeners, which I think is a wonderful program because, they're again, they're focused on education and the people that go through there first of all they're great people you know most gardeners are uh but also the people that after that gym they start putting in their volunteer hours and i think that's really important for the community also so once again we want to uh, shout out to uh to jamie and jamie wouldn't be as great as he was without his wonderful wife jan so mm-hmm. we give her credit also and i think this is the first time she's ever come up here and not brought food yeah <laughs> yeah that's the second great disappointment in my life because <laughs> last summer at the tomato contest, her brother didn't show up and make those wonderful sandwiches that he normally Yeah, makes. see, there you go. So you're expecting that. in their blood, so it, and, they, and they're extremely good at it. So, Jim, for people that are just now tuning in and maybe they hadn't heard the, uh, you know, the show, uh, we got cold weather coming in, no doubt about that, and extremely cold temperatures. And not only do we have to be careful as humans and our pets and so forth, you know, what we're always worried about what's going on outside in our landscape, because there again, is fresh on everybody's mind, trust me, of what happened last year. But the whole theme of this whole show has been, we don't think this is going to be the same event that we had last year. And like Jim said, it's not because it's not going to get cold. It's going to get cold, but it's the timing of everything. Right. You know, zone seven plants are supposed to be able to survive zero degrees. Okay. And so, you know, I don't, in in the city here, I don't think we'll get close to that. So in in theory, they should be fine. Right. Where we have such a problem is when it's the freeze is in the spring when the sap started to rise or early in the fall when the sap hasn't gone down yet. Right. That's what causes all the damage when that sap freezes inside that plant. Those ice crystals just rip those cells apart. And that's not going to happen in this event. So it was it was the worst thing that could have happened last year was the timing of that. Yep. When that you know that brutal just in one day's time you know sudden drop in temperature. Yeah, seventy degrees or right. So. And, and 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 there again things weren't acclimated. So that's number one. That's a good thing for us. Okay. Uh, number two is yes, we are expecting some precipitation with this event also. And to me, I've uh, always enjoyed and 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 liked it when it snowed not only because we enjoyed the snow but jim because it also acts as an insulator Mm -hmm. uh so that's number two number three is we've had a good bit of moisture uh already come down as in the in the form of rain of course and you and i both know that moist soil is a much better insulator than dry soil um so that's another thing that's going in our favor and then what we were just talking is that yes or no Yes. More no, so. I'm okay. Good with you. I'm good with you. Okay. And then, you know, before we went to the break, we were talking about things in containers. And to me, that is the biggest thing, Jim, that we need to worry about. It's not our hardy shrubs and trees that are in the ground, uh, but our things that are in containers. Because there again, anytime you have a container that's above ground, that container is not insulated, is exposed to the ambient air that's out there. And they are much more susceptible to damage by cold plants that are in the ground so you said you've got some tropicals that you've had 
long time for years okay <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. They, and you grow yours in containers yeah and in the past i've had them in my garage you know but now where i'm living now um i, I put them in a new shed that we've got and it we're going to insulate the walls but we haven't gotten to that yet so okay. uh, i have condensed them down there is plastic covering them between the walls so i don't have to heat the whole shed and i've just got i've got three heaters actually now they don't come on uh one runs pretty much all the time okay um, but it's it's a small heater. Then one, the other two don't come on until it gets to 41, 45 degrees. Okay. Okay, so then they come on. And, you know, last night they were both running full blank mm-hmm. when I looked out the window. Uh, so it's very possible that as hard as they're working in that small area, they may not be able to keep this temperature up above. Um, what do you think? Above 37? Well, keeping the pots from freezing, you know. Okay. I'm okay with it hitting 38 degrees or so in there. Most of them will survive that. So anything okay. above freezing, you're happy with. I'm happy with. But if it, you know, if it drops down in the 20s, those pots are going to freeze. The tissue is going to freeze because they are full of juice. Yes. Okay? Yes. Uh, and so, it, like I say, it's 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 a loss. Yes, but I think of it more as an opportunity. Oh, and, <laughs> see, I love the way you think. <laughs> but let's say if I've got a garage that's got a garage door, it's not an open garage. I mean, mm. it's a garage that closes. And if I take my containers and put them up there against the wall in the garage, uh, I don't think it's going to. Well, what? What? It might freeze well, in that garage. It could. Yeah, it depends on your garage. You know, um, we just recently uh, at my daughter's house, um, they had to replace their door, and we put an insulated door on there. And I put one on my mm. my garage number of years ago, and it really made a difference because that time I had my birds in there. You know, I had fifteen birds or so in there, plus I had my plants. Uh, so because um, I've always just they did fine. Jim thought that if you know I take my pots and put them in the garage where they're protected, you know I'm fine. But there again, it's going to get it's going to get cold and yeah. it's going to stay cold for quite a while. Yeah, and if you don't know, take a little glass of water and just set it near the door of the garage and see what happens. That's funny because I was reading about that last night, and you have to explain to me if I get a little bucket of water and sit it out there in the middle of my plants that I've got crowded together in the corner. What in the world, why would that make a difference? Well, it's going to tell you how if it's getting cold at the ground, and that's the main thing. If that's freezing, then you know the tissue above is probably freezing. you know, And that's not a good sign when you have it for tropicals. Uh, so things usually go downhill from that. All right, uh, so anything else, Jim? That And, and then as far as covering, uh, one thing that we didn't talk about, and we've got a couple minutes just to knock it in here, is I don't mind people covering their shrubs. In fact, I recommend it a lot of times for all the reasons we talked about in the last three hours. What I don't want to see people do is get a roll of plastic no. and go out there and cover their plants and tell me why, Jim. Because well, so many people do. That's the first thing grab, they grab is plastic. Right. Well, there will be water accumulating on the inside of that plastic, and it's going to freeze. Okay. And frost is going to form, and it's going to freeze the tissue that it's touching. Okay. Plus, during the day, even with clouds, you'll get some sunlight penetrating, and that temperature rises substantially inside there. It can get quite warm and then get quite cold at night, and that's mm-hmm. not good for them either. Right. Okay, so it's and and then the other thing is if it's covered with anything, plastic mm-hmm. or sheets or whatever, if we get eight inches of snow, it's mm-hmm. it can conceivably crush whatever's under there. So you I'm, want, wanting, I'm wanting good news here, Jim. Yeah, I know, I know. I know. But plastic, you're right. It, and I don't mind if people use plastic as long as the plastic is not touching the tissue. And you have a way to vent it the next day if the sun comes out, like you said, because mm-hmm. uh, it, it can be great. But you never want plastic touching the tissue of that plant, because I promise you, it would transfer that cold mm-hmm. right to that tissue. So you could actually wind up with more damage by 
Jim trying to do the right thing. Yeah. Oh, and I, here's another myth. I heard this heard on the, uh, somebody on a commercial this weekend. Um, does hot water freeze faster than cold water? What have you heard? I've heard that it does. Yeah. Most everybody has. And, and I bet you true. it doesn't. No. It doesn't. Yeah. It, it has to be chilled down just like everything else. Now, what happens if you take equal amount of water and put hot water out there and cold water, yeah. you're getting evaporation really fast out of that hot that's yes. getting out of there. So you end up with less water, which could, in theory, cool quicker, freeze quicker. Right. But it, but same amount of water, one hot, one cold, it ain't happening. Well, guys, we Despite appreciate what your plumber tells you. Exactly. But, well, Jim, thank you for all the knowledge. Uh, Jamie, thank you for being here this morning. We'll see y'all next weekend in the Mid South Garden. Take care.